Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. This is it, last play of the season. Gamewell takes it. He's gang-tackled at the 40, and the seconds will come off the clock. And the Eagles have not just been beaten. They have been taken apart. They have been just brought to their knees by the Tampa Bay Bucks. The final score, the Tampa Bay Bucks, 32. The Eagles, 9. As disappointing a conclusion to a season as you can ever find. Uh, you heard it here last night on 97.3 ESPN. The Eagles dismantled, ripped apart, embarrassed, and now have a lot of questions to answer. What's up, everybody? This is the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning is producing today's show. You out there, and man, I said the only way... I could see Nick Sirianni being in trouble is if the team got completely embarrassed, completely outclassed, completely outcoached, and completely outplayed. That was worse than even I could have envisioned. They were non-competitive, and Tampa is so bad that the score was competitive still. That's how bad Tampa is, and you still got blown off the field last night final score 32 to 9 and in my mind I can't believe I've gotten to this point you've got to make a change I can't believe that it's gotten to the point where I actually think you have to do something but it was evident to me last night that that team had no heart no will no soul no nothing They laid over, they rolled over and died on that field last night. And I don't want to question effort. I just don't think they have any confidence in what they're being told what to do. The only guy who showed up last night, there was like three guys that I could say, you know what, I think that guy showed up last night. One of which was Smith. He actually seemed like he gave a rat's rear end, and he was out there trying his best to ball out for that Eagles offense. He almost single-handedly kept that team around for as long as he could. You know, I'm not going to sit here and question Kelsey, who obviously it looks like he has retired. Some news coming down today that Kelsey is calling it a career. He was obviously emotional. He did not speak to the media last night. There are reports that he is retiring. I'm not saying he didn't give any effort. I mean, the line just was not good last night. Um, and maybe he saw it. Maybe that factored into the decision of I can't keep going at the same level that I was at. And the result is... This offensive line is not as good as it was entering the season. I thought Smith came to play. 
Um, I don't know. Was there anybody else out there? I said three. I, maybe I was just speaking out of turn. Three, is that the number that I really came up with? Is there anybody else that I can think of that actually showed up last night and came to play for this team? I thought Hertz was awful last night, but it wasn't all his fault. Uh, the offense is so bad. The offensive line is so bad. The, well, last night they were bad. I, I mean, the offensive line has been disappointing. Um, they, they didn't try to run the ball at all. Here's a perplexing thought. Hey, our defense stinks. We win the toss. Why don't we put our worst unit on the field and let Tampa set the tone right off the bat? You put that defense on the field and right off the bat, Tampa got a chance to go out there and play flag football. I mean, for God's sakes, take a page out of Green Bay, what they did the other day and say, we're going to take the ball and we're going to set the tone for this game. Instead, you gave them the ball and let them go out there and have a party. They got confidence right off the bat. Yeah, they didn't go down and score a touchdown. They ended up getting a field goal, but it was pretty apparent that they were going to have a night last night. I mean, I thought Hurts, I've questioned Hurts a lot over the last couple of weeks, and I got serious questions about Hurts moving forward here. I thought he was average last night, and I'm being kind. I think some of it was the offensive line's protection. The blitz protections are awful. Their offensive play design is terrible. And Hurts is a byproduct of all that stuff. But I keep asking kind of subtly, are people looking at him now as the leader of this team and wondering, what are what are we? What are we doing? He did not give Sirianni a roaring round of applause last night. He was very passive-aggressive when asked about Sirianni. You got obvious situations going on throughout the course of the year. Hertz is sitting on the end of the bench with no emotion, just stoic. He doesn't talk to anybody. He's never looking at the... Uh, the iPad, never looking at anything. He just sits there with his arms crossed. At some point, are people going to look at that and say, wait a second, what is going on here? So the quarterback is always at the top of the list. I'm trying to find someone else. I thought I had three guys in my mind of who actually came to play last night, and I can't really think of them off the top of my head right now because as I'm thinking about it, you know, the team was terrible last night. They did have four sacks in the game. I do think that the defensive front while did not play great, I think they gave an effort. I think they actually tried. The linebackers are so undermanned. The safety position, so undermanned. I thought about this. There's so many things that went through my head, and I'm going to kind of catch it up all with you guys today, and you can hit me up, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. There are so many things. Perplexing one, as I just told you. The Eagles win the toss. We said, hey, let's put our defense out there first. Number two, Roseman is part of this too. And I'm not a Roseman hater, but you got to call the guy out. They let five players walk on the defensive side of the ball on defense, and not one of them was an upgrade. Hargrave walked, you replaced him with Carter. Okay, fine. I can accept that one. You're not paying Hargrave the money. You got a guy in the first round. And I'm not saying Carter sucked. He just wasn't as good as Hargrave was. Fine. But every other move wasn't close. You replaced Epps with Blankenship. Blankenship wasn't on the field last night. You replaced Chauncey Gardner-Johnson with a revolving door, which was finally Kevin Byard. And Byard did not get the job done. That was a trade that you thought you got the better of the Tennessee Titans. Why do the Titans keep taking your call? 
Well, Bayard did not compete for you last night. He was terrible. He was part of the, one of the more embarrassing plays of the game. With a, uh, I saw the best. It was Clay Harbor, who's going to join me tonight at 5 o'clock, former Eagles tight end. He said some of the tackling efforts from the Eagles looked like a football movie where the guy trying to make the tackle looked so unauthentic. That was Bayard last night. That was Bradbury last night. Uh, Cunningham for TJ Edwards. Completely downgrade. The, the, the Dean Morrow for Kaiser White. You didn't get one guy that replaced a guy who left and upgraded. Not one. And then you can make an argument on the offensive side of the ball. You let Samala go and you replace it with Jurgens. Well, Jurgens had more yellow flags thrown at him last night than he did positive plays all season long. I mean, how many times are you going to get called for going down the field? You run the same play. 50 times a game, and you still can't block it right. You had two receivers run into each other, Julio Jones running into Goddard on a play. I mean, this is like junior football league mistakes out there. So the talent gap on defense obviously was a problem, which goes back to my first point about how perplexing it was to win the toss and say, I'm going to put my defense on the field. The first question last night in the press conference should have been, Nick, did your team quit on you or were you that underprepared as a coaching staff? Those were the only two options that could have been asked last night. Hey, Nick, did your team quit on you or were you and your staff that underprepared? They're the only two questions. And the end result is this was the game I said Sirianni could not survive. I think he's gone. I really do. And maybe he won't be. Maybe I'm overreacting. I'm not the most irrational guy in the world. But I do believe that that performance was so bad last night. I don't know how James Bradbury faces anybody in that locker room. He had a gutless performance last night. Gutless. James Bradbury was gutless last night. That was a complete embarrassment in a playoff game on national television. The effort that he put forth was a complete embarrassment. I don't know how many times you watch a football game and then actually felt embarrassed for the guy. That performance last night for James Bradbury was embarrassing. But what's even more embarrassing is the amount of money they still owe him over the next two seasons. It was sad to watch because Tampa is so bad. They dropped how many passes last night? Eight. That's how unprepared the Eagles were for the moment last night. The effort was shameful last night. It's the kind of performance that gets people fired. And we start there today. 609-403-0973. Literally everything you watched last night. They put points on the board. They took them off. They kick the field goal. They get the penalty. They try again. And on fourth and five, they throw the ball into the end zone. They throw a Hail Mary pass on fourth and five. Even the one play you could count on all season long, the tush push, they couldn't even convert that last night. That's how bad it's gotten. They have one play that they know they have in their back pocket. And they couldn't even convert that. 
It was a comedy of gutless performances last night. If you were trying to say, I am going to put on tape the worst effort that I can give, you succeeded. And I would give you credit. This is the worst NFL game I could possibly play. Put it on tape for me. I could point out multiple guys. I mean, Nick Morrow, I'm not saying he didn't give effort. He's just not any good. And they went after him all night long. You remember a couple of years ago, the Eagles were really bad. They had Nate Geary. And I would say, the other team's looking for 47. I know Nate Geary's number 47 because coaches don't know names. They know numbers. And when they say, where's 47? Where's 47? Well, guess what? Last night, Tampa Bay said, where's 41? We're going to go after him all night long. And all night long, you watch broadcasts all the time. How many times do you hear the broadcasters so perplexed at what they're watching, they can't even believe it. They don't want to call out the coach, but they're saying, this is so bad. I have to call you out. You have two players defending the same guy multiple times. It was bad last night. I mean, if you were to ask me, do you think this is going to be bad? I would say, yeah, I do. I think, I mean, I picked Tampa Bay to win the game. I thought that Tampa was so bad that the game would be close. And it was for the most part. I mean, late in the game, they got, I mean, the Eagles were still in that game. How? I mean, Tampa was so bad last night and yet so good. That's how bad the Eagles were. I mean, come on. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Let me uh, read and react to some of your text because this is your show too. So you guys tell me how you're feeling, what you saw, what you think. Poll question up at Mike Gill Show. You can vote throughout the show, and we'll update it throughout the day. It's a simple question. Do you want Nick Sirianni fired? Or does he deserve a chance to fix this? He's 36-20 and 20 in three seasons. That includes the playoffs. 36 wins, two losses. He has the highest winning percentage in Philadelphia Eagles history. Right now, the show just started, and we have almost over 200 votes of 77% want him gone. 77% say they want him gone. I think Nick wore out his welcome to not only the fans, but to the players in that locker room. When you ask the question, what happened I think Nick Sirianni lost the respect of the players in that locker room with decisions that were made, antics, the way he handled himself. Look, these guys have players on other teams that they respect, and I think players on other teams may have said, dude, what's up with your boy? And when things weren't going well, sometimes you could laugh it off and say, come on, man, he's our coach. We love them. When things aren't going so well, that only flies for so long. I think Nick got completely exposed, undressed for a guy who got too much too fast. You know, there's a lot of examples of guys who get a lot fast and they can kind of mask it because they got good people around them. But when the good people leave, like Jack Johnson once said, where'd all the good people go? And Nick Sirianni was left looking around saying, where did all the good people go? 
I need help. There's a lot of questions that you can't even believe that you're thinking about with this team. But here we are. And that's what's great about shows like this. I hope you help me out today with some of your thoughts on where to go from here. Let's hit it up. 609-403-0973. Colin Thompson, NFL free agent tight end. Watch the game tape. He's going to join me in 14 minutes. Adam Kaplan for today's football at four and former Eagle tight end Clay Harbor will try to catch up with McMullen, who was in Tampa last night. I don't know his flight schedule. I did get a thumbs up from Josh. McMullen is good to go. So we got a lot of news, information, thoughts, and who knows? Between now and the end of this show today, something could happen. I don't expect it to happen, but I wouldn't be shocked because guess what? You have a historic field of candidates, a historic field of candidates. You may have to make a decision you don't want to make based on the fact you don't get a bunch of candidates like this. And I don't think they're going to hire Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, Mike Tomlin, if he becomes available. I got the list of coaching odds. If Nick Sirianni is fired, there's already odds. Mike Vrabel is the favorite, followed by Bill Belichick. Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator in uh, San Francisco. Ben Johnson, Jim Harbaugh. And then the rest of these guys are just a who's who of comedy. I mean, Jason Kelsey's on the list at 33-1. to That's the uh, answer of, hey, why don't you make Chase Utley the Phillies manager? That's that kind of answer. But Vrabel, Belichick, those two guys... Something to think about. And I think the Eagles have to strongly consider this. Because when you come in after a playoff game and the reaction is, and I hope that I do my best of speaking for you guys out there. I try to take the pulse of what you guys show me on the text board, on social media, and all that kind of jazz. I go to get coffee in the morning or wherever I may go and someone asks me a question. And I try my best to do it objectively. I'm not some just say something to say something. My thought is this team was gutless last night. They got gutted like a fish. It was a joke. And if you were the owner of that football team, you have every right to go down there and tell your head coach how disgraced and embarrassed you feel for him. And that I'm sorry I have to do this. It is not something I had planned on or wanted to do. But the actions of you, your staff, and most importantly, the guys who represent what you are as the head coach all let you down. And therefore, I got to let you go. Sucks. But that's the way I feel today. I don't want to have to say that. I think Nick Sirianni has done things that nobody thought this guy was going to do when he got hired. His first press conference, we all said, what are they doing? Nobody ever heard of this guy. And he took the team to the Super Bowl, for God's sakes. But what happened last night erases all of that. All of it. 
That's how bad that performance was. Not only last night. It's a culmination of the last two months of football that, by the way, it got masked because you got bailed out by the fact that the Phillies made the playoffs for the second time. So they hid a lot of your real issues because no one was paying enough attention that you had problems. And that's part of our fault. That's part of our fault, too. Hey, you know, hey, they're finding ways to win. That's a mark of a good team. Some of it is based on the fact that the league just is filled with mediocrity. There are really, you know, I said earlier this year that Buffalo's window is closing. Well, here they are in the playoffs and people think they can win the Super Bowl. Part of the reason why Buffalo, a team that was 6-6, six and six, is even in this position is because the whole league stinks. The league stinks. And that's why Philadelphia masked the odor that was emanating from the, <laughs> I can't even think of where they practice. What's the name of the place? They, oh, Novacare Complex. So that's where I'm at right now. I, I, I am dejected. I was watching the game last night with no expectation. And it's 16-9 to 9 because they took points off the board. They kicked the field goal, the extra point. They put it, take it off. They went for two. They didn't get it. Mathematically made no sense. They did it because, oh, it's an absolute that we're going to get the tush push. We'll cut the lead to five. Why would you need to cut the lead to five? Makes no sense. Mike, the players don't respect the offensive defensive coordinators. Well, you got to, you got to split. You know, you got some people who want to decide probably some people, you know, all I'm thinking of is watching the video of Patricia talking to Slay. And in the back of my mind, thinking Slay has no respect for this guy. Whether they mended their fences or not, somewhere in the back of his mind, Slay says, I don't respect this guy. And that's all I kept thinking about. Mike, the long snapper and Jake Elliott, that's your two and your three of the guys who showed up last night. Yeah, I guess so. Elliott did hit a couple of field goals. Uh, Mike Fletcher Cox and Smith played good. Jurgens might have been the worst out there. Yeah, I thought, you know, Nolan Smith was on the field more than he was all season long, for God's sake. Hey, I got a great idea. Let me throw the guy who hasn't played all year and throw him out there. And he didn't do uh, a terrible job, but it was like, okay, if you decided that the wild card game was the night that he deserved to get some playing time, what did he miss all season? Fletcher was all right. I mean, I thought the defensive line was okay. I'm not questioning that they didn't show up. They did get four sacks in the game last night. They just weren't, they weren't, they were average. That's all. I'm not questioning whether they, they, they showed up or not. They were average. Um, Mike, Josh, the Eagles need to start from scratch. Patricia's got to go. Patricia's gone. He's not coming back. The, the head coach has to go. Derek, I, I think the head coach is in limbo right now. Um, I, I don't know how you survive this. I really don't. I, I really don't know. I know if I was the owner of the team, and I'm a pretty level-headed dude, man. I, I don't just start saying random stuff just to say it. I can't believe I've gotten to this point. I said, and I did, I thought they, if they lost, what I say yesterday, 24 20, something like that, like it would be a, I said, but if your defense goes out there and is non competitive again, you can't keep this guy. You can't. And it wasn't only that their defense was not competitive, their offense wasn't competitive. Their offense was atrocious last night. So that's where we start. I see your text. The text board is blowing up. I will read them off and react to them all throughout the day. 
free agent, NFL free agent Colin Thompson is going to join me on the other side because I got to ask him what he sees on tape from this team. And does he think that the players have lost confidence in this coaching staff? That's next. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill. Do I have everybody's attention now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Something had to happen. You don't go from 10 and 1 to losing all these games when everybody, when it's kumbaya in the locker room. Like something happened. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the issue is, but they played bad on both sides of the ball, continuously never gave themselves opportunities to win. That was Jeff Saturday, who contends. And by the way, Saturday, who coached last year for a couple of games with the Colts, said something had to have happened in that locker room got to be a combination of multitudes of things because colin thompson nfl free agent tight end who joins me now spent time in carolina with the panthers for three seasons uh he was with the minnesota vikings during this year's training camp when you watch that team last night and the last two months of the season this is bigger than x's and o's jimmy's and joe's or is it not when you watch that team play i mean it doesn't even look like a high school football team have you ever seen a team that seems so ill-prepared mike i'll go back to what i said last week when i joined your show thanks for having me i love coming on talking to all the people down the jersey shore if somebody has the answer to the philadelphia eagles they're lying to you because there's a million things going on right now you can make everybody in the entire in my opinion everybody top down is accountable for what's happened like you can't just say it's on the head coach you can't just say it's on the players or the quarterback you can't just say it's on – it's somebody new every week. Like, they'll bring a four-man pressure, and Landon Dickerson, who is a pro bowler, all pro, like the guy's a moose, and he's getting drove back off the football right into Jalen's lap. I believe it was on the safety, and which is on Jalen. He's got to get rid of it. But, like, that's on Landon. He's a great player. And then, like, Lane Johnson gets beat. He never gets beat. They're bringing pressure. But then they don't have answers to pressure either, and that's on the coaching staff. Like, there needs to be – Todd Bowles brings pressure. It's no secret. I talked about it on the show with you last week. Like, he's a pressure guy. Okay, great. You have meetings throughout the week where the quarterback says, okay, guys, if I see this, I'm going to that. And then the coach will say, I love that. But you also have this in your toolbox. Like, are they having those meetings? And then defensively, like, I don't know, man. The defense is like pursuit and effort. Like, watch the Detroit Lions play football. Yes, they have great players. I get it. They have great linebackers, great D-line, great DBs. But the Eagles do, too. Like, I get it. They're not playing great, but they still are great players. But they pursuit and they hit. They pursuit and hit, period. Like, they bring the wood if you watch Detroit. And, like, there's some guys on that defense, people don't even know their names, and they bring the wood. So I think there's a passion. There's a passion misstep. Who's responsible for that? In some buildings, it's leadership, players. Sometimes it's the coach. But, Mike, it's a little bit of everybody's top down, from the from the owner 
to the you know the people that make the food. It, it's it, it's a really tough situation in Philly right now, and I don't think anybody truly knows the answer. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a, a an element of what you're saying is right. There isn't just one problem. This is a multitude of problems. But yesterday, before the game even starts, you get an article coming out that basically talked about finger pointing and people questioning, and that's not good on the day of your playoff game. So doesn't that kind of speak to you that there's got to be some sort of more to the story than just they don't have enough talent and the they're not prepared they have plenty of talent we know that right like preseason everybody sits there and ranks the rosters and the eagles are top five top three some people haven't been one mike I, I don't know and i i try to go back and watch the tape i see the same stuff that we saw before that was problems right like it's not like you see the eagles week to week after like two three weeks of like sliding and you're like Okay, this is a different football club. They're trying new stuff. It's the same stuff. Really is. And the regression of Jalen Hurts, like, is it regression or he's always kind of been that well, way? That's but a, now it's I think that's a big question. Things? That's a big question, Colin. You signed this guy and, and I didn't love the deal. And it's not that he didn't earn it last year, but when you only play one year at that level, that's hard to say you deserve that type of money. You got to do that for multiple years. But the way the NFL is set up, Oh, we'll hurt his feelings if we bring him back on the same deal. He outperformed. I mean, that's why this is a joke. You play your contract that you agreed to, and then if you outperform it, we'll talk about it again. You don't get paid based on one season, but that's the way this ends up going. But guess what? He did not live up to the contract that he got. But is that because he regressed? Is it that the offense was not fit for him? These are the things that we just don't know the answers to as fans. We just say he wasn't the same player. But why? So I've said it before on your show, Mike. I think he graduated from their offense. Had a lot of success in it. Went to a Super Bowl with that offense. It's spread, RPOs bubble screens off of a run fake, right? A little play action pass here and there. But if you watch Detroit, them under center, and you watch Green Bay, them under center, people are scared to death of them running the football at them. So then you have White House running wide open in the play action game. Like, it's no mistake. Watch the Niners, right? Like, now can Jalen handle that offense? He's a great player. He's not playing great, but he is a great player. I think on the open market, Mike, he would still probably get close to that money because people see him as a franchise quarterback. So I think it's just next man up, and that's a part of the deal of this league where he's just the next guy. You pay him that. People get hung up on the money. But I think he graduated, Mike. I do. Great. It was great to me at Oklahoma. It was great to me at Bama. Um, a little bit, I guess. He got beat out. But then in the NFL, we're going to do the, run this offense to get him comfortable. We have the receivers and the, the assets to do it. But now we're going to get under center. I think they can get some tight ends involved in the run game. Maybe go get a fullback and, like, do some play-action pass stuff and go old school. I think that's the way to do it. Now, listen, I mean, if you're preparing for this game all week, the last time you played Tampa, you ran the ball 40 times for 200 yards. If the game plan was we're going to run the ball 15 times. Now, I don't know they didn't run it very well, but they got away from it early. And I'm not, like, got to run the ball kind of guy. But – Aren't you trying to do your best? Like, there's two things that last night, like, they just completely decided we're not going to even try to run. They ran the ball two times to start the game, then got completely away from it. They have no passing game. Um, they also win the toss and say, I got a great idea. Let me put the worst defense I've ever seen in my life on the field to start this game. So, I don't know. I mean, it feels like they were defeated before the game even started. And if you're looking at the game plan this week, are you saying... 
this is the one. This is the game plan that's going to win this game for us. We ran the ball 40 times against the same team last time and ran it right down their throats. And now we decided, nah, that's not a great idea this time around. They didn't have options for the pressure, Mike. That's the biggest concern for me. Like, you know it's coming. So if you have this pass play where you're going to work the middle of the field, which I don't know if they really work too much of it. I think they had that slant at Devontae. But at the end of the day, like, Pressure alleviates some openings in the middle of the field, right? Because it's hard to get the ball to the outside. If they go tight man-to-man coverage and they bring pressure, then you could be a pick-six opportunity, right? That's not good. So you want to work the middle of the field. Like, where was that? That's my question. Uh, Mike, uh, it's it's the most confusing thing I've ever seen. I've come on the show for years now and love coming on, but I have no answer. I don't. Oh, listen, and I don't think you're alone in that, Colin, because I don't think there is. That's scary. Right. There is no comparable situation of, like, you can lose games. And, like, there's those teams like Dallas, for instance, in Miami. There were people like, ah, they just don't, they haven't beaten a good team. But they're not non-competitive. They just lack, like, attention to detail, and they lose by, like, a play or a possession or that one thing that cost them the game. They didn't get completely undressed and embarrassed. The Eagles are not competitive. They look literally – Greeny said it last week. If you flew someone in and they never watched football before and said, watch this team play, you would say, that's the worst team I've ever seen. And so to say that I don't know how it happened, I agree that I don't think anybody can put their finger on it because we've never seen something to this uh, th- this precipitous of a drop. Two things. If you're sliding, it's on the head coach and the leadership to get it done. And really, there's – could you pick like a, a player's coach that the like players love? right now? And obviously right now there seems like there's something going on, but like – you're like Nick Sirianni. He's got a good relationship with the players. They're going to get this thing turned around. Okay, leaders, go through them. You're sitting in your car right now. You can name all of them. Brandon Graham, Lane Johnson, Kelsey, right? Goddard. Like, there's a lot of really – Jalen Hurts, a great leader. Like, there's, like, men. These aren't, like, child. These aren't, like, young rookies now. There's not many rookies on this team. Like, hey, this is a rookie who's, like, a dude or he's immature. No, this is, like, A.J. Brown, who's, like, one of the best wideouts in the NFL, probably the best wideout in Eagles history. So, like, at the end of the day, this it's that's what's weird to me. And, Mike, if there's so many warning signs when you look back. I've done shows right now from September 10th or a couple days after when they played the Patriots, right? They beat the Patriots by five, kind of sloppy. And everyone's like, oh, the preseason. Like, they didn't play in the preseason games. Like, is that why? We're having that conversation. And then, like, the Vikings who, like, oh, they're coming to Philly again. And you think Philly's going to blow them out. And the Vikings kind of almost came back and won. And then they've had that great game against the Bucks, And then it's kind of been the same story all year, like, barely beating teams. My opinion, poor clock management against the Jets and that loss. Dolphins and the Bucks were the only two games that year where you're like, that's the Philadelphia Eagles team. That's it. They look pretty damn good. And then everything else, you're like, whew, Chiefs should have been a loss, right? Like, barely got out of Buffalo. Thank God for their kicker. Like, so there's but even a million all those games, teams. I agree with you, and the warning signs, but they were not non-competitive in those games. No they doubt. competed. They were there. They might have just figured out a way to win but these games and 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 you're talking about they had the best record in football against playoff teams this year they were six and two against teams that were in the playoffs this year unbelievable you're talking about good football teams that they found a way to beat they got their ass kicked the last four weeks of the year by non-playoff teams arizona the giants they beat the giants but still 
did not look competitive in the game. They lost the game in Seattle. And then, look, Tampa Bay is so bad that Philadelphia, they couldn't even, they, they dropped eight passes and kept the Eagles in the game because they stink so much and still blew them out of the water in the end. But Tampa, let's be honest, that's a mediocre team at best. And you got floored by them. Not competitive, Colin. Mike, it's nothing. I, listen, there's obviously this is a shocker statement. There's massive changes coming. Yeah, well, now people are going to call for the head coach, coordinators. There's going to be some players now that are going to. Well, be, let me let me ask you because you played on a team where the coach got fired. Now it was a different situation. It was a non-playoff team in Carolina, and you know it's different when your expectations are Super Bowl versus a team that did not make the playoffs. But can you feel in that room like something's happening here? Well, I mean, you're like always refreshing your Twitter, right? As a player, like, all right, what's going to happen? Because you find out on Twitter before you find out what goes on in the building, too. I'll say this, too, Mike. The expectations aren't Super Bowl. The expectations would be like dominant all the time, and that will lead to a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I get the expectations are Super Bowl. But, like, if the Eagles were nine and whatever this year, or like 500 football club, somewhere in that ballpark, and were really freaking tough and competitive and just lost on some like gritty games. And we're like working their way, like in the playoffs, but like grinding. It'd be a way different feel. He's not losing his job. He's not. Like, you're going to be like, you know what? That team, there were some holes, but they were tough. They're physical. They played hard on defense. They create turnovers. You know what? Jalen maybe threw a pick at a bad time or some guy fumbled. Like, that's how teams go nine and eight. And they're like, or whatever it is. And I don't even know the math on a nine and seven, nine and eight, I guess. Nine and eight. But yeah. So, like, that's how those teams that are good, like 9-8, and eight, like, okay, like, they're getting some momentum, and, like, they're tough, and they're gritty, and they're head... Co- None of that in Philly. That's what blows me away with the men in that room. Like, I go to the players. Like, coaches, yeah, I get it. But, like, there's an elite group of dudes in that in those room now. There's, like, 25 guys on that roster that are, like, elite, really good players in the NFL, and a lot of them underperformed this year. And that's, to me, way more concerning, way more concerning than, than the coaching situation. Yeah, I get it. Players can't be replaced, though. Coaches can be, and that's how this business well, works. I'll leave you with this. And, and look, um, you're a player, so the players, I like the fact that players think it's on us. But when you're watching that team schematically on defense, they, they look like they don't have a clue. Mike, you know who? <laughs> I mean, seriously, he, man. I mean, Mike, they look like a team that yeah. just doesn't know. I don't know what they're like. I, it almost looks like, hey, go out there and play flag football and just run and follow the guy on his route. Mike, you know who the Eagles are? And this has hit me today. I was uh, walking my dog in deep thought. I'm like, the Eagles are the team. You know when you're younger and you're playing basketball or you're with your buddies, you're playing baseball, and, like, the older kids show up who are, like, really good, and you're like, uh, yeah, sure, we'll play these guys. We're going to lose by 50. And, like, the older kids are throwing alley-oops, and they're shooting deep threes, and they're kind of messing around. And then you sneak a win on them. You're like, damn, man, we just beat these older guys. And then you're like, hey, you know what? Run it back. Let's play again. So then you run it back, and then the old guys are, like, locked in and playing their style. And then you beat them again. Like, you think they're these old guys that are, like, stud high school players, and you're in eighth grade, but they're just not playing well. Like, it doesn't matter what you think you are or what you have been or anything in this league. It will expose you, and there's a lot of great – I know a lot of these guys are great guys, are great players, but point blank period, like, they didn't play well. Yes, it is an organizational thing. It's not all the players, but it's a mess, Mike, and I think drastic changes are coming. 
uh, probably things people won't expect. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see what happens. Colin Thompson along for the ride, not for long media. Uh, NFL free agent tight end giving us a good look at a player's perspective of what you saw last night. And I agree, by the way, uh, that there is no right answer with this team. Never seen it before. Don't know what the heck happened, but something's going to have to change. I, I, I mean, you can't, you can't go back with this again. You can't. You, that's nope. a loss. I mean, you're running into what the Chargers became this year. You kept giving him another chance, another chance, another chance, till you finally said in the middle of this year he ran out of chances, and it was a lost year because they're unwatchable. Yeah. They're unwatchable. All right, man. Good to see you. We'll see what happens, Mike. Appreciate it. We will. We will see what happens right here. Uh, the Colin Thompson Show on Not For Long Media here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Colin, as we uh, take you forward the rest of the show, we got plenty more. Read and react. A lot of your text messages. We are loaded on the text board, 609-403-0973. I'll read and react to those coming up next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. I know there's a difference between what players and coaches say and what they feel. And they said all the right things, but you could tell they weren't feeling it. And it was obvious when they came out here and took the field. That was Troy Aikman last night on the broadcast, ESPN Monday Night Football. The Eagles said one thing, they showed something else. They got called out by the broadcast team last night for their lack of effort and emotion and ability to... Show up for a playoff game last night. And you might say, even if you want to play the other side, say, no, 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 no. They played hard. They're just not good enough. Well, then that's a problem, too. Then, okay, now we're having a different conversation. And they're just not good enough. Do those players want to look in the mirror and come to terms with they're simply not good enough? Or is there another reason? You tell me. 609 403 0973-609-403-0973. We hit the text board. Uh, we got a lot going on on this text board. And, uh, I know a lot of people chiming in. So I'm going to do my best to hit on as many as I can. I wish you would have asked Colin what he meant when he said he thinks there will be drastic changes if he doesn't think people will be expecting. Uh, we all expect that Sirianni could be fired. So what was Colin alluding to? Yeah. I mean, I think he's kind of alluding that changes could be coming as a guy who played in the game. I don't think he wants to call out a player, uh, or a coach, I should say, to be fired, but I think he's alluding to specifically I think you're going to see changes with the coordinators I don't know if that means Nick is gone is he going to try to fight for his coordinators I don't think I don't think that Nick is going to try to do that I think he understands that this team needs a little bit of a change Mike when Nick was two and five in his first season and then reformulated the run game to be the strength of the team I thought this guy is a good coach and get the best out of the team it's weird how all of a sudden he can't do that Mosher said yesterday something about the organization wants to be an explosive passing team I scratched my head and thought why did they sign a running quarterback to 255 million if they want to be a passing team let's stop right there real fast 
this has been reported that Lori wants to be a passing team. But keep in mind, you said a running quarterback. Hertz like led the league in explosive passes last year, throwing the ball down the field. He was one of the most accurate downfield throwers on the deep ball in all of football. So they thought they were getting a legitimate dual threat quarterback, a guy who you're saying is a running quarterback. He's not just a running quarterback. Last year, he threw the ball with high efficiency. But I do agree with what you said about Sirianni 2-5, and were reformulated the team and said, hey, you know what? We aren't good enough to throw. we got to run the football. So, Matt and Kate May Courthouse, good text. I know you got a lot more in your text, so I will try to re-go back to that text message. I'm going to hit text all throughout the day. we got McMullen on the other side. He was there last night. I want to hear from him what that locker room was like. What's his feeling? Because I think John has kind of discounted the possibility of Sirianni being fired. Has he changed his tune on that? John McMullen on the other side. And I want to tell you about my friends at Progressive Fence and Railing. They're your secret weapon. Boy, last night, the snow, the wind. They can help you out with a new deck, adorable fence, a beautiful awning. To help you with the elements out there, get top-notch quality finance options that fit your budget. Go to ProgressiveFenceAndRail.com. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. You've got to re-energize a fan base, and to do that, typically there's got to be changes. What changes will that be? I I don't know. Will it be Nick Sirianni? I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it is, knowing Jeffrey Lurie and, and his background and what he's done in the past, but you cannot go into next season uh, status quo. That was Troy Aikman last night on the broadcast. He expects changes. John McMullen was in Tampa in the locker room last night. Does Johnny Mac from Birds 365 expect changes? Let's bring him in right now to the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. John McMullen, my friend. How are you, friend? Uh, airport time, so, you know, I think that's worse than prison time. I was telling Josh, so that's how I am. I'm just waiting for a flight, my friend. That's always uh, a lousy feeling, waiting for the flight, especially when there's snow. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. You were in the locker room last night, John, and I know you have kind of been trepidatious about saying that Sirianni would be in any sort of trouble. Did you get the sense of being in that locker room last night that that may have changed? Yeah, I do, because of the, uh, it's funny, I heard the Troy Aikman clip and the, the mentality of you have to re-energize the fan base. That's probably one of the issues that a lot of owners get way too caught up in because it's a, a, a public-facing industry instead of making just good, sound decisions. Um, you can't be worried about stuff like that, especially in a place like Philadelphia where Let's be honest. I mean, they're going to show up. So uh, you don't have to worry about placating uh, an emotional fan base if you want to make the right decision. And, you know, I'm just going on the information I have about Jeffrey Lurie. You can forget about the Belichicks in the world and and the Mike Rabels of the world and every other Jim Harbaugh and every other big-name coach. That's not been his status since – 
Chip Kelly, and he, he, he was really burned by that and how he handled that, and he's gone in a different direction, first-time head coaches, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, that don't have a lot of cachet when they get the job, that don't push for personnel power, that don't fight for it, and that's what he's wanted. So, I mean, he could always change his mind and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to fire Howie too. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. We're talking about one guy, but my 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 sense says he's not he's not firing Howie. So if he's not firing Howie, Howie's in charge, and if Howie's in charge, forget about Belichick and Vrabel and Harbaugh and coaches like that. So then you're starting over with another first-time head coach who doesn't have a lot of cachet, doesn't have a lot of power, and you got to go all through the a startup cost of that and a guy growing on the job. And does that make sense? I, I don't, I don't think it makes sense, but it was so ugly. Um, that public facing aspect of the business, the placating uh, of the fan base might factor into it. Ultimately, if you push me, I'll say, no, Nick's not leaving. Um, but I can now see a path to it because how ugly things were in Tampa. Right. So just to be clear, John, you went to Tampa not thinking there was any shot. You left there saying none. there's yeah, a potential none. of this happening now. Yeah, yeah. It was. I, I couldn't even imagine a performance that bad. Well, I was with you I mean, for the most part, John, to be clear. I was with you, and I said the only way – I think it would be justifiable is if you got completely just non-competitive football for a sixth time in seven weeks. And that game was about as non-competitive. I mean, Tampa's so bad that they kept you in the game for half of it, and then they finally blew your doors off. But just because you're worse, you're worse. And to me, that was the exact script. If you told me, Mike Gill, write me a script that Nick Sirianni would be in trouble I don't even think I'd be creative enough to come up with that bleep burger from last night, but that would be the game yeah. that I would come up with. I mean, you think about it, you know, Tampa wins the game 32 to nine. They had more. John, drop it could have been 50 to nine. Yeah, exactly. They had more drop passes by halftime in any postseason game since 2006. I mean, they, they could have been, as you said, they could have put a 50 spot on them easily. Uh, defensively, I mean, that was the worst tackling performance I've seen in years, in years. Um, and that obviously comes off looking bad uh, to the coaching staff because when you talk about tackling and things like that, it comes across as lack of effort. And why is there a lack of effort? So all these, all these questions start, you know, percolating in, in, in certainly people's minds. And I'm sure they did the same to Jeffrey Lurie and say, are these guys playing for him? Um, ultimately, if you ask me, and wrote about this on SI today, it'll be up. You know, we over, we've way overrated the talent level on this team. I know you and I talked a lot about how many people had career years last season and a run to the Super Bowl. Well, guess what? They all came back. Almost everybody came back. Well, you and I were probably two of the only people that were objective about Gannon and didn't think he was a complete and utter disaster as a coordinator. And well, not that they've seen a, a complete and utter disaster. Maybe they have a different 
thought process over that. I hope, but, uh, you know, probably a lot of people don't want to admit they're wrong. Here's the but thing, I mean, though, John. It's, I mean, I just had Colin on last hour. He played in the league. He says, Mike, I can't answer the question. That's the thing. And I agree with him. I'm not saying, well, Colin, you need to give me an answer. There is no answer. This is unprecedented. Is it coaching? Is it talent? Is it, is there a conflict? Do they not like each other? There has to be a culmination of multiple things. Like, it's one thing. To lose a game, you know, if they would have lost to Kansas City, you'd say, oh, you know, Kansas City's a playoff. They were 6-2 and two against playoff teams. They were not competitive against four non-playoff teams and Tampa Bay. Not competitive at all. I don't know how you yeah, justify it, and explain it. It, it, it is really hard. Um, and, you know, maybe the worst performance was the Tampa Bay game, you know, Giants were up there as well, but, you know, there were some mitigating factors into that. You know, but I keep going back to the personnel. I mean, the last seven weeks of the season, you know, people have been very hesitant for whatever reason to criticize Jalen Hurts. He stinks right now. It's awful. I'm not saying, and, you know, he was the leader in, in the MVP betting markets through, you know, week 11. Um, and he was playing at a high level, and he falls off a cliff. How do you explain that? I, I can't explain that. Dallas Goddard dropping footballs. You know, there were people talking about him, you know, breaking through and being considered the same in, in that same category as George Kittle and Kelsey and Mark Andrews. Didn't come close. He fell behind the TJ Hawkinsons and Sam Laportas and David Njoku's of the world. He went backwards. Hassan Reddick went backwards. James Bradbury, Darius Slay went backwards to, in the, in the case of Bradbury, massive degrees. Uh, they didn't finish. You remember, I, I think a lot of people forget they had the 70 sacks last year, which was always never going to be uh, something you could repeat. In 2021, they were 31st in the NFL in sacks. Maybe they're maybe they're closer to that than seventy, mm. and well, we're not even bringing up the band aids and the in the back seven. Well, and, and I, I tweeted this out earlier, John. They had five decisions to make on defense, and I'm not saying in hindsight it's easy, but they had five decisions to make, and all five they did not adequately replace. The only one you could say is Carter, maybe for seventy five percent of the year adequately replace Hargrave, but every other spot. You had a complete and utter downgrade. Uh, Edwards and White being replaced. Neither guy was close to what they brought you. The two safeties, neither one was close. Uh, you had five changes and all five were downgrades. Yeah. Yep. And pretty significant in the case of some of them. Um, and, and even, you know, Reed Blankenship played well at times early in the season. He started to get exposed later in the season. You know, Nicobe Dean getting injured didn't didn't help, but I, I think people forget he wasn't playing that well when he was healthy in the short period that he was. Um, you know, I get I get the feeling that you know a lot a lot of the people that follow this team think you know Nick screwed up the '85 Bears, or even Nick screwed up the forget about that screwed up the 2022 Eagles. 
This isn't the 2022 Eagles from a personnel standpoint. They, 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 they took a huge drop on both sides of the football. Um, and once you lose A.J. Brown for that game, his presence on that offense – I mean, we are, so I've talked about it a lot. He was the final piece of the puzzle from 2021 where they did some nice things, but they struggled. The 2022, everybody fell into place behind A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. When he's not on the field, like you saw last night, it, it's just a domino effect. And people struggle to fill the roles. Um, so he's so important. That factored into it as well. Um yeah, I, I mean, and I, and I put myself in that category as well. I think everybody, from Howie Roseman on down, just overrated this team from a personnel perspective. Yeah, and it's a microcosm of everything, John. It's that, I mean... You have a team that's 10-1 and one after the Super Bowl. Well, then people say, well, you have the Super Bowl hangover. Well, I would kind of add that to the mix, but you went 10-1 and one to start the season. I mean, you know, you have a Super Bowl hangover, you start the season 6-5, and five, or you're 7-4, and four, and you're kind of, but they were 10-1. and one. So when you're in that locker room last night, I mean, I would imagine it's just a morgue in there. Yeah, a lot of shell-shocked people and, you know, Jason obviously told people he's retiring. He was very emotional coming off the field, and you know he didn't even talk to us. He was so upset, and that's very rare right. when it comes to Jason Kelsey. Um, and a lot of guys did, and a lot of guys, you know, Lane Johnson, Hassan Reddick, and, and guys like that talked for really long periods of time, and you know, are trying to figure it out. <laughs> I think you know, even them, they're trying to figure out what happens. Um, you know, from 10 and one to that kind of collapse. Cause you don't see it. You don't see it often. Mm-mm. Um, and obviously, you know, we talked about the style points and they weren't there during the 10 and one start, but they were able to win the game, win certain games. And even if it self-corrected and you started losing a little bit, San Francisco, Dallas, um, but you won the, the games you should have won. I think everything would have been fine. Uh, but clearly they lost confidence and the defensive move. I mean, the one thing, and I've said it from the start, disaster. So whoever you want to blame for the move from Sean's side, that Matt Patricia, yeah, absolute disaster. And, and that's not saying Sean was doing a great job because he wasn't, but he was doing okay. As yep. a as a first year coordinator, uh, and there were some there were some spots that certainly needed improvement, but he didn't deserve to lose his job, and I think that affected people because they that that to me is the definition of a panic move, and when you do something like that, other people start to look at it and say, what what are we doing? What why are you doing this? And the snowball started going down the hill. Yeah, uh, John McMullen uh, in Tampa with uh, the Eagles' loss last night. So, you, it, would you surmise you're going to get a whole new defense, not only coordinator but a new defensive philosophy? Boy, I hope so. Um, you're certainly going to get a new coordinator. I mean, at the bare minimum, that I, I said, you know, even even though I think it's still more likely than not that Nick Sirianni is back, depending on how 
the meetings go with Jeffrey Lurie, obviously he could balk at some of the uh, demands that, that Jeffrey and how he plays upon him and things can go in a negative direction. That's what happened with Doug Peterson. Um, but you, you're definitely the vast majority of the defensive coaching staff is going to be scapegoated. There's no question about that. Um, so you are going to bring in new names, new, new coordinator. I was talking to Southpaw and, you know, he said, you know, who would want to come here as a coordinator? Um, knowing the head coach might be a lame duck. And while that there's some truth to that, there's always there's only 32 of these jobs, and everybody wants to prove themselves. And a lot of young coordinators, because that's what the Eagles would be looking at, um, most likely in that type of situation. You know, sometimes you find the next guy instead of the guy who's just copying what, what Vic Fangio does. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, maybe you find the innovative guy who's ahead of the curve instead of just going along with the curve. How, uh, I think the Eagles need to do that. John, how do they handle the offensive situation? Because, I mean, obviously we've had, oh, well, Hertz has had so many different coordinators and Brian Johnson's supposed to be you know, kind of his guy. So do they give him another shot at running the offense or do they have to make a change on that side of the ball again? Well, I, I don't think they have to. I mean, when they let us into the locker room, um, Jalen and, and Brian were sitting together having a long discussion. They're they're very close. And obviously you're not going to give up on Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts is going to be here. So do you want to impact him even further? Um, you know, maybe there's talk that Carolina wants to actually pair uh, Brian Johnson and Alec Calabi, and maybe they go that direction. You know, you have to get somebody new. I know that would shock people, but Brian becoming a head coach, but he's far more well regarded around the league than obviously he is in Philadelphia right now. Um, I don't think they have to change offensive coordinators um, unless, and we go back to where we started this conversation and what Troy Aikman said. You don't have to think that way. You don't have to succumb to outside pressures if you don't want to, um, especially in a market like this. Some markets you might have to because you, you would have trouble selling tickets or something of that nature. Obviously, that's not an issue here. Will a bunch of people be upset by it? Sure. But who cares? You know, I, I mean, you got to do what you think is best for the football team uh, long term. And do, do you want to? further stunt the growth of Jalen Hurts. Something's going on with Jalen Hurts. So, um, you know, you should be trying to maximize uh, and try to get him back to where he once was from a performance standpoint. So I don't think you have to do that. Um, Will the Eagles succumb to it, though? Most teams do. Most teams succumb to the outside pressure. But you know, the old saying is if you listen to the fans, you'll be sitting with them, mm-hmm. sitting in the stands with them. That's what coaches say. Um, you know, you have to do what you believe is is right for the football team. So, you know, the, the defensive side is going to be the scapegoats. The offensive side, you can move forward if you want to, as long as you're strong enough to do it. Yeah. 
Well, obviously, uh, as the week goes on here, we'll talk more about some of the free agents and contractual situations because some of the guys who I think we would put at the top of the list of some of the issues, they still have many years and a lot of money left on their deals. So we'll get into that coming up tomorrow with John. And, uh, you, of course, you can watch John tomorrow morning at 8 on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel where I will join him. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, Hopefully I'll be back. Home. Hopefully, you get home. Yeah. You flying into Atlantic yeah. City? Yes, I am. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Which well, is probably I probably lucked out because evidently it's a, a little bit better. All all the flights going to Philly have been Oof. they were grounded for a while, mm. and everything's getting pushed back. Yeah, it's not too bad down here. There's more rain down here than uh, than anything. But uh, all right, safe travels, bud. All right, thanks, Mike. John McMullen, Birds 365. Weekday mornings, 8 a.m. on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Mike Hill on the Sports Bash. He was brought to you today by the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort. Go to the Gallery, go to Ocean, go for the win. For more info, visit OceanAC.com. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, when we come back, I got text messages galore. I will read and react to those. You are free to chime in, 609 403 0973. I am Mike Gill, and this is the Sports Bash. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Practice and tackling every day is based off angles. When you see the angles of these guys and the way they approach tackling, it's crazy. Like nobody plays together. If you put them guys in a cup, you're not going to see big plays like this. But everybody's playing individual football, and that's insane to me. Ray Lewis on the Manning cast last night, Hall of Famer. He knows how to tackle. He watched the Eagles and couldn't believe what he was watching. This hour of the show brought to you by Broadleys Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning. Broadleys is your trusted source for heating and plumbing service and installation for generations. Call them at 609-390-3907 online broadleys.net mike gill in the sports badge what's up everybody all right i see your text messages i'm gonna get as many as i can in right now hold me to that can i count on you for that i'm gonna make a running count i keep a count like a pitch count time matt and kate may mike it speaks volumes how the team chemistry and morale is down that kelsey retirement announcements were coming so quickly after the game he's the leader of the team he doesn't want to be there um, yeah, the Kelsey thing, I think Kelsey knew. I don't think that game last night. I've been saying it for a while. I think Kelsey was. After I watched the Kelsey documentary, I, I said, I think this is his last year. I mean, the game last night, I don't think helped make him, like, put him in limbo. But I think he knew. Kelsey has said on his podcast that the original plan was for him to retire after last year. His his dream was for that documentary to end with him winning a Super Bowl and him walking off into retirement and then when they didn't win the Super Bowl it changed things for him 
Yeah, and now that he has a definitive thing to do, mm-hmm. I think if you watch that thing, it, it stood out to me tremendously was, what am I going to do when I'm done? And now he has something to do when he's done. He can do this podcast, and this can be his identity. I would imagine he'll have an opportunity to work in radio. He'll probably possibly do some you know, commentary somewhere, maybe like on an NFL network or ESPN or maybe NBC Sports Philadelphia. But Jason Kelsey now with that podcast has something, not to mention – he now has three daughters. He's married. So he has stuff. Yeah. It's not like before when he thought about it, he had just met his wife. Right. Uh, he did not have, you know, any kids. He did not have a podcast. So he's thinking, what am I going to be and what am I going to do? He now has those answers. And I think he was very much at peace. Maybe not very much at peace. I mean, he obviously was emotional, but I think he knew that that was his last game if they lost. And his wife has said multiple times that she wants him to retire before he's unable to spend time with their daughters. So, like, it was a very important thing in that household for him to not play so long that he's like one of these former players who could barely move anymore in retirement. Yeah. Uh, Colin LBI says, I think the firing of Sirianni is almost inconsequential, and I've been one of the biggest critics, but I think he is a Howie puppet. Howie brought in Patricia, and his quarterback took a step back. Also, Howie poorly built the defense. You know, uh, Howie Roseman's obviously going to be questioned, and I don't have a problem with that at all. I mean, the defense is just not good. He picked a lot of those guys. But I will stress this. You can't make a total overhaul. And I think the Eagles tried to mask some of their issues with some duct tape tape and spackle in an offseason where they had to heavily invest in their quarterback. When you have to heavily invest in your quarterback, you have problems in making decisions on other areas. I am just pointing out that they made decisions. They let T.J. Edwards go. They let Kaiser White go. Marcus Epps, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, and Javon Hargrave. And the replacements, not one of them was better than the guy who left. And I'm not blaming anybody for that. But part of the reason why, like, okay, could I have brought back T.J. Edwards and Marcus Epps and let everybody else go? Or could I have brought back Kaiser White and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and let everybody else go? They decided we can't bring any of these guys back, but we think we can find suitable replacements, not better players, suitable replacements. And that did not happen. They did not get suitable replacements for Edwards. They did not get it. Now, they tried with Nicobe Dean. Look, I liked Dean, but I don't think he was as good as I had hoped he was going to be. He did not appear that he was going to have the impact that I thought he might have. Blankenship is a third safety, maybe at best. You play him way too much, he gets exposed. The safety position, you went out and got Justin Evans and, and Terrell Edmonds, and those guys were just guys. So, yeah, Roseman does have, but I think what you're saying, Cole, you know, we act like you can have the perfect answers to every offseason, and you can't. Now, did he make a mistake with Bradbury? It appears that he has made a mistake with Bradbury. Bradbury can't play anymore, and he signed him for two more years at a huge contract. So that is something that he's going to have to figure out how to wiggle his way out of that deal. But I would say this. I know Roseman's going to make mistakes, 
But I also believe that he's the only guy that can fix his mistakes. Because I think the problem with some of these other guys is they make mistakes, and then they make another mistake, and then another mistake, and then they're fired. You can't say, hey, I made a mistake, and now I, you know, can't try to fix it. Too many times these guys make mistakes, and then they're fired. They can't even, they don't get the opportunity. That's why I think Roseman has had big ups and down periods. Because, yeah, you're going to make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, this happens. Are you savvy enough to fix that mistake? Not many GMs in sports, period, get the opportunity to fix those mistakes. Roseman has shown he's made mistakes but can fix them. I think he'll figure out a way to get out of this Bradbury mess because I can't imagine he's back here next year. And then some of these other things. You know, one problem is you got Sidney Brown. He looked like a guy who could play, and now he has an ACL injury. So the one guy that you took in the draft last year that seemingly had an impact in the secondary has an ACL injury. So how does that factor into everything? Ricks, um, I don't, I don't know if any of those guys, Ricks and Ringo. Um, Ringo, I don't know that they're long-term starters. That's something we can ask to Checo on Thursday. But I don't know. Do you say, hey, we found our corners of the future? Eh, I don't know about that. I mean, to what you did mention the checker, the checker did mention that Ringo got better as the year went on. So yeah, but I mean, you could go from bad to average. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah, you know what I mean. Dude, did John's something that you and John talked about in the last segment? I'll kind of circle it back to this. Do you think if given how he takes the time to you know retool this roster, that might be part of the rationalization to keep Nick Sirianni? The Eagles might say, "Look, give Howie an offseason to retool this." Let Nick come back next year with a, with a fresh slate. Here, my I, I I and I think Michelle Smallman said this this morning on my drive in, so I'll give her the credit. But I I thought about this last my, night myself. But she brought up an actual example of it, which was how many off seasons did we ask or did NFL people say you got to get rid of Staley in in L.A. and you kept bringing him back and you kept bringing him back and you kept bringing him back. You don't want to have a lost season because you gave a guy another opportunity who you believe did not deserve that opportunity. Staley didn't deserve the opportunity. For whatever reason, he got the opportunity, and then it blew up in your face and you had a lost season. That team shouldn't have been as bad as it was. Do you think Staley was – do you think Staley, way he fell, is that where Nick is potentially going then? Like, do you think this is going to keep getting worse and worse? I, I don't know. I don't know what the offseason looks like. I don't know what this offseason looks like. And by the way, I don't know where the problem is. If you told me definitively Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, and Landon Dickerson all had issues with Lane, uh, Nick Sirianni, okay, well, that's a big problem. I don't know that to be true. Right. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to read. As Colin Thompson said earlier, We've never seen anything like this, so there can't be just one. We always want to blame one guy. One guy has to be the you know fifty three guys. No, only one of them can be at fault here. Wait, there's no boogeyman here. It's something that we've never seen, and you know it's fair to get to the root of why it happened, how it happened, and how to fix it. I have no problem with that. Six zero nine four zero three zero nine seven three. 
Uh, Mike says, so that's the NFL in a nutshell. Hire the hot coordinator, make him the head coach, league figures him out, give him the boot. Wash, rinse, repeat. The real head coaches with longevity are motivators first, scheme geniuses second. This way they don't lose the locker room. Well, Mike, problem with that is Nick Sirianni was not the hot coordinator. He was not a scheme guy. He was apparently hired because he was a motivating type of guy. So your take there doesn't make a lot of sense. He was not the hot coordinator. He was never on the list of, look, these are the hot coordinators that you're going to hear in the hiring cycle this year. Nobody knew who he was. So I get what you're saying, Mike. But I think Sirianni is more of the guy that you mentioned at the at the end of your text message. The real head coaches with longevity are the motivators first, scheme genius is second. Sirianni was not thought of as some guy with this hot scheme that everybody was after. He didn't even call plays here. And, and John <laughs> McMullen, John McMullen's mentioned multiple times. Lori doesn't usually go for the big name anyway. He goes for the other kind of guy, the Petersons, the Sirianis, the Reeds. He likes to find guys. Yeah, he, that's always been his thing. Of He went and found the big name one time. Yeah, I mean, and Chip, Chip Kelly. Kelly was the guy that he everybody in the league wanted. He didn't have an established NFL pedigree. Right. Uh, Mike, I was wondering if anybody else saw this. At one point, they showed Sirianni on the sidelines. He looked totally confused. Well, that was all night he looked. I tweeted out at one point, <laughs> he looked like Jason Garrett all night long. He just kept pulling his headset mic out of his way and spitting. I said, this guy looks like Jason Garrett, clueless. And there was a point during the press conference last night. I stayed up to watch him at the press conference last night. He was answering the questions. And I feel like the enormity of the moment hit him about 10 minutes into the presser that I might be out of a job. Like, I think he might have gone in there like, hey, you know, we got to figure it out. We got to look to see. We got to improve on it. We'll, we'll, we got to do all that stuff. And then he just kept getting question after question about his future. And I think the enormity of getting those questions because his demeanor changed in that press conference at some point last night where he just kind of put his hand on his head and was like, oh my God, I might actually get fired. They just keep asking. They won't stop. And I think he, I think it hit him. I think he, he, he opened his eyes to this might be my last press conference. And it's a possibility. It's a strong possibility. Mike, I really thought Jalen was going to try and be a hero and use his legs and run wild on the defense. He didn't run at all. He played with no heart. Yeah. I thought Hertz last night gave a half, uh, half winged effort last night. He, he didn't do anything to, you know, there wasn't that, I'm going to leave it all out there. I'm going to leave it out there. I'm going to go down running. I'm going to go down swinging. Um, he just was Jalen. And, you know, at some point, I think they brought it up. Hembo, I think, brought it up today. Hembo said this uh, on Greeny this morning here on 97.3 ESPN. Take a listen. Jalen Hurts is like legendarily, brazenly intense. The scuttle that I've been hearing in Philadelphia is that when the Eagles were 10 and 1, and when the Eagles came so close to reaching the apex of the mountain last year, he was just not able to really enjoy the prosperity. And if you can't experience joy when you're playing the game of football, especially when you're winning to the extent to which the Eagles won, once the sort of dam broke, 
and the Eagles started losing and they couldn't stop it. Jalen Hurts did not modify his leadership style. And that is an indictment. You have to be able to read your room. You have to be able to adjust the way that you lead your team. And Jalen Hurts never did that. He approached every single day like he was Nick Saban. And in the case of the Eagles, the second half of this season, that wasn't good enough. Something I've been saying for a while is at what point does his style wear on the others as the team continues to spiral when they're looking to you to break down your walls and help us out here, and he refuses to do so. I said, it's all good when you keep winning and winning and winning and winning and winning, and the body language is saying, this guy only cares about one thing, winning the Super Bowl. He doesn't even care. He's not even cracking a smile that they won 13 games and won the division and made it to the Super Bowl. That's when it works. But when you need to shift gears and say this team is spiraling out of control and we need somebody to turn to, you can't keep giving us that stoic answer of the standard is the standard and we didn't play well enough. People want to see you kind of break character a little bit. And I think the players in that locker room maybe resented him a little bit for leaving it on them. Mike, do you? I know you don't know Jalen Hurts personally, so I know this is a very subjective question, but do you think Hurts is capable of evolving out of that stoic demeanor he gives off? I don't know. I don't know. As you said, I mean, I've never seen any evidence of it. You know, we've heard a lot about, like, Andy Reid behind closed doors is more of a joking, jovial guy on the sidelines and in the press conferences. You know, he's very, you know, injuries and he doesn't give you much. We've never heard much about what Hurts is like behind well, like the for scenes. For example, I've heard a lot of Patriots players talk about Tom Brady, how in the beginning, Brady was very quiet. He was not a vocal leader the first few years. Even when they won those three Super Bowls, he was not a guy who was in the locker room riling guys up. It was only as Brady got older, like, you know, six, eight years in, when he kind of, like, turned that page into that let's effing go guy that you know is the famous uh, gif online now. So, you know, I'm just wondering if Brady was able to make that turn or was Brady always that guy and just early on he was just a little like, hey, I want to step on his toes. Yeah, and keep in mind Brady was a seventh-round pick. I mean, really a different story and right. didn't really establish himself until really Bledsoe was gone, similar to Hertz, where he was the backup guy and he was just kind of along for the ride while Wentz was there. And then, you know, he took over the team that first year. And I think it was like, hey, what do you know about Hertz? Well, he's a great leader. Never heard, well, he has a great arm or he's very accurate or it was always, he's a great leader. And that's all that anybody knew about him or heard about him or said about him. Right. And now you're third year in and it's like, I want to peel more off the onion here, but I'm not getting anything different. I'm just getting this stoic guy. But I think what Hembo said was interesting. He couldn't even enjoy when the team had success. And maybe the success wasn't the ultimate success, but you're still allowed to have joy in competing. And I think his point was he never had joy in winning. And now when the team's losing – He's not showing that the losing is bothering him either. It's just kind of this stoic attitude. And and I kind of questioned it. Look, I didn't like the contract. I didn't say he didn't deserve it. But I understood that it I understood that they were in a horrible situation. A horrible situation that I think the league has a problem with. You know, this is a league problem where 
the guy based on one year, and because he was drafted in the second round, he didn't have an extra year, so you had to make the decision based on one year of playing. There has to be a middle ground of, hey, Jalen, you had a mediocre first year. You're really good in the second year. Let's come together and say we're going to give you $20 million, not $250 million. And I don't know that he could live up to the enormity of that contract right off the bat. Because now he had this year out of nowhere. So what did everybody do? What did Jalen Hurts do that made him so good? Let's go watch the film. And I think that was part of this as well. 609-403-0973. I'll read and react to more of your texts coming up next. We have the perfect... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. You know, it's very embarrassing. You go from, you know, 10 and 1 to through some last, whether it's 6 or 7 or whatever we did. Done all the press conferences, we've done all the explaining, trying to, and still I get corrected. So, you know, it's probably going to be some changes. It's frustrating. You know, hopefully, as long as I'm playing, I don't have to be a part of something like this again. Lane Johnson last night, after the loss, he expects changes to be coming. Changes are a coming. You heard it from Lane Johnson. This hour, the show brought to you by Broadleys Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Visit them online at broadleys.net, 609-403-0973. Adam Kaplan, football at four, ten minutes from now. Season ends in Tampa. What's next? We'll get his take on that. Mike, if Sirianni gets fired, Roseman should go also. He should not be involved in hiring another coach, and the philosophy of not valuing linebacker has to change. The Ravens and Niners, two of the best teams, have elite linebackers. If you look at the greatness defenses of all time, they all have great linebackers. Well, you can't look at the great line defenses of all time because defense has changed in the league. Like, nobody's got a Ronnie Lott. You know, nobody has a Mike Singletary. Nobody's got a Harry Carson. I mean, I get your point of, of, of talking about elite linebackers. The linebacking position has definitely changed. I don't agree that Roseman should go also for this reason. Roseman has proven, look, how many losing seasons have the team had in 25 years? Five? Five in 23 years. Right. They have five losing seasons in 23 years. This team just needs some tweaking. You bring in a new general manager. You know how hard it is to find a GM in the NFL? You can't even name GMs in the NFL. These guys get recycled, thrown out, spit out. The coach wants to take over. If there's one thing, Roseman makes his mistakes, but he also is the only guy that you can trust to figure out how to fix them with the salary cap and all that stuff. Does he not value linebacker? Yes. That has to be something they they figure out and change. And look, they found TJ Edwards. They found Kaiser White. It's, it's a spot where a lot of teams in this league do not value that position. And teams that have them, okay, yeah. I mean, but the problem is there's not a lot of great linebackers because it's a position all over football that's just not valued at the college level either. You're not getting great linebackers entering the league. 
also, I would just say really quick that I don't think getting a better linebacker would have fixed all the problems for this defense. I think this defense, the way it was being called, was of a greater problem than, like, if you had T.J. Edwards on the field last night, does he change that I don't that know. Game? I mean, I will say this, for one. I mean, if you watch that game, Ottman, who's just an average tight end, they featured him all night because they knew they can get him on Morrow. So, yes, I think the linebacking issue was a factor. Not the the factor, but you go find a game where Kate Ottman had, Otten had uh, what, 11 targets in the game. Why? Because <laughs> they knew where to go. They knew the middle of the field is wide open against this team because Nick Morrow can't cover. But maybe they go to more Godwin and Evans or somebody else in that situation. and that couldn't... Right, but did that, to answer the question about the linebackers, the linebackers, teams know that these linebackers are weak and we can scheme our offense to go after the middle of the field on this team because sure. they're weak at linebacker and they're weak at safety. Now, last year, they weren't weak at linebacker or safety, and it translated into them getting to a Super Bowl. So I think Roseman does need to reevaluate that. The problem is this. They put so much equity in their defensive front so that they don't have to spend as much on the back end. The problem was their defensive front did not do the job this year to compensate for where they're weaker. And if that's going to happen, you're going to get totally exposed. And that's what happened. Football at 4 is coming up next here on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at 4 with Adam Kaplan. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. I give my heart and soul to this franchise as so many of us do. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at 4. Football at 4 powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's brought to you by Bet365, whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Adam Kaplan from the Inside the Birds podcast, which you can find on any podcasting platform or on their YouTube channel. Just search Inside the Birds. Well, it is now the Inside the Birds offseason. Adam Kaplan, the Eagles season ends in Tampa. Blown out to the Buccaneers as both sides struggle last night to really look like an NFL team. I mean, just a non-competitive effort on both sides of the ball, Adam. Yeah, Mike, it, it was interesting because it was 16-9 at halftime, and it just felt like they were getting smoked. And we did our, our halftime show with our, uh, some of our Patreon members, and it was great. And everyone's like, hey, look, this, this is ridiculous. They're not really playing well. They shouldn't be in the game. You never know what could happen. Well, they'd wind up not scoring in the second half. And it was just an absolute disaster getting outscored 16 to nothing in the second half. And the thing that just floored me is the lack, the lack of – Incredible play design, execution, 0-9 on third down. <laughs> they actually missed a tush push for the two-point conversion. Can you believe it? You knew it was not their night. It was just miserable. I mean, I, I should have – look, when you look at this thing, and you go back, Mike, to some of the wins where they came back for, against the, the, the Bills and, and the Chiefs being down at halftime and uh, finding a way to win, I mean, that was impressive, but – they showed their flaws, but who would have believed this? This is just a complete meltdown. Where you, you know, for the people wanting Sirianni fired, we, you know, before the Cardinals game, I'm like no. And then once they got embarrassed at home against the Cardinals, I'm like, all right, now, now you could discuss it. 
now it's fair game. Because I, I think what happens is if when you feed into the angry people that don't really understand the way it works, it, 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 you know, you want people to try to understand the game and, and how things are done. But this was this has been so bad, Mike. And I mean, I remember the, the 2012 Andy Reid team. That team you knew was bad. They just the roster was bad. Now this this roster is clearly not as good as last year's, which we told you in week one. But for them to embarrass themselves six out of seven, like they have, and, and, and the one win was not exactly great against the Giants in the comedy of errors. So you have to you have to start questioning how this team is coached. Offensive defensive schemes. We'll get to defense in a, in a minute. But you have to really question what the thought process is of putting putting these schemes together. Yeah, I mean, when you watch this team, it's elementary. I mean, it's basic stuff. They can't handle the blitz. The passing game, just basically one route. I mean, guys running nine routes all night long. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's it, borderline. I felt bad for them. And, like, you're looking at Hurts, and you wonder what role does he have in this? Is he regressing, or is he a byproduct of what is just a – Bland offense. Yeah, I thought um, Tim McManus of ESPN.com wrote a great piece uh, that I think debuted yesterday prior to the game on Hurts and, and his actual issues with the offense. Uh, you mentioned the nine routes. It's too vertical. Uh, I mentioned on our postgame show last night, one thing that really bothers me, the lack of in-breakers. They play a lot of zone defense, the Bucks, They blitz a lot, but they play zone behind it. And it's like they have no blitz, be- they have no blitz beaters. They have no zone beaters. It was embarrassing. This is just a, the scheme is awful uh, offensively. It, it see, I, I know people bring up it was the last the same scheme as last year. That doesn't matter, folks. It, it's irrelevant. It's whatever you're doing this year is not working. What are you going to do to change it? It's Sirianni's lack of adjustments in that. You have to have something else in your toolbox. You, you, you know, the, the guy played offense in college. Okay, the guy knows offense. It's his scheme that he brought in, which is a combination. I'm told of of two or three different schemes that he that uh, he coached in over his career. And it's just terrible. I mean, I, this, is, this is an epic embarrassment, let's call it what it was. It starts with the head coach in terms of play design and offense, getting players to execute. He obviously is not teaching well enough. And the quarterback, you mentioned, regressed the season. Everybody knows it. Even the, the biggest Hurts fans know that he regressed the season. It's not a secret. Yeah. He's got a hand in it, and he's got to do a better job. And um, his accuracy was down this season. I don't know how he combined for 38 touchdowns. I mean, it, it, you know, we're, we're including running touchdowns, but he did not have a very good season. Uh, they played Tampa in Tampa, ran 40 times for 200 yards. Last night, 15 for 42. Why I'm not saying why didn't you feature the run? Why was the run so successful, Minnesota, Tampa Bay? The run game was completely ineffective, essentially, the rest of the year, including last night. Yeah, I, look, they actually, if you look at the first series, they came out running. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the first quarter, they're down 10 nothing. Early in the second quarter, first minute, they're down 13 nothing. And you know, it's what, the, some teams will actually continue to run the ball. Once they get down 20 or something, forget it. It's going to be pass-happy. You understand that. Um, that's the other thing. Look, you know I'm not a run-the-game guy at all. I never have been, no, really, yeah, yeah. the last 20 years. But there are times, particularly when your quarterback is struggling, and also with this pass target group, you know what the crazy thing is? After Julio Jones got hurt, they only had the three receivers. Devontae Smith, who was absolutely awesome, okay? Uh, Watkins and Zacchaeus. Then Britton Covey was the fourth. That's all they had left to finish the game in the second quarter. They should have they, they should have had a receiver off the practice squad. That was a mistake. 
uh, knowing that A.J. Brown wouldn't play. We knew it would be a struggle. Uh, you know, I picked the Bucks to win the game. I, I should have actually picked them to win a blowout, but I didn't. But I had them winning uh, and covering the spread because they, they were playing better than the Eagles were. And the Bucks, by the way, are very average. There's nothing special about them. Just the Eagles um, completely imploded. And the head coach uh, has got to take a look at himself if he's still the head coach going forward. Yeah, um, and, and you mentioned, you know, I, I, by the way, Tampa won five of their last six. Philly lost five of their last look six. Look at their schedule, though, Mike. But, look, look, in Tampa, not very. They didn't play. They, oh, they I agree. Decent team. <laughs> I agree. And I said that points last night. I said Tampa is so bad that they're keeping the Eagles in this game who are essentially the worst team in football right now. Tampa just kept yeah. dropping passes. Seven, I mean, I think. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I said, this team is so bad that the Eagles are actually still in the game. I, that's it. You just nailed it, Mike. I was, I, I, this is what we were talking about in our, in our little uh, Ask ITB thing with our Patreon people. We were like, this is, the game should not be this close. No. And, people, and a couple guys were like, oh, well, maybe they'll pull it off. I'm like, no, they're not going to. They don't have any energy, Mike. I'll they tell you what. When they threw the pass, Adam, to Smith down the field, they yeah, finally connected play. on one. And I said, yeah. they're going to, they're going to like ass backwards themselves into scoring here and, and somehow getting <laughs> into this game and winning. But, you know, obviously that was the only play. And then they kick the extra point. They take it off the board. And the one thing they've done right all year, they couldn't yeah. even do that anymore. Yeah. The tush push. Yeah, that, that's uh, that, that they missed that one, but boy, Devontae Smith was absolutely awesome. Yes. Give, give him credit; he's a baller. He didn't play for Nick Saban. You know, you're going to get you know you, you, you're going to get his best. The other troubling part, Mike, I don't understand. And Jeff Stallings is such a great coach. Um, I know the Niners were the team that started this bringing uh, what's called zero blitz with no deep safety. We're going to come after you, and they did. And ever since then, a lot of teams blitzed against them and. You know what, as Troy Aikman said, it's not a secret what Todd Bowles is going to do, but there was seemingly someone always in Hurts' face. Again, I'm not saying he played well. He did not. Don't let, the, don't let the numbers fool you. He put some empty, what we call empty numbers. The bottom line is it was an abomination in offense. And defensively, Mike, yeah. comp- non-competitive, really, for about six weeks. It, they've been so bad defensively. I, I can't – look, I, I didn't – Matt Patricia – you know, a lot of people think he's a smart guy, and, you know, I get that. It doesn't really matter. It's can you get your guys to execute. Well, the problem that he had was this was dumb. We're going to talk more about this in tomorrow's Inside the Birds, but the dumbest thing he ever did is to, is to try to crowbar a lot of his defensive concepts. The players have no idea what they're doing. Mike, you just talked about it. How many players for the Bucks ran scot-free? Wide open. Yeah. Well, Kate looked like looked like uh, – Looked like George Kittle out there, who who also crushed the Eagles earlier. I said, how many games this year did Tampa Bay go in saying, we're going to feature Cade Otten? He had 11 <laughs> targets in the game last night because they said, go after 41. Find 41 and go after him all game long. And they just went over the middle of the field just like everybody else has. So they got major problems there on defense. Let's look yeah. at the defensive side of the ball. As you said, yeah. they continued to collapse, embarrassing tackle. It was a gutless effort on the defensive okay. side of the ball. Guys running free, mental errors. So they got big questions that they got to figure out on that defensive side of the ball. So when you look at what happened last night, Mike, it, it's like, okay, the Bucks knew what kind of coverages the Eagles have. Since the Eagles did not adjust at all, defensively, their looks. Like, okay, well, they're running a lot of cover three. We're going to run Kate Otten down the middle. K 
Kate Otten drops a 30-yarder over the middle. Beautiful throw by Baker Mayfield. Had a clear path. But Kate Otten continued to get uh, targeted. Mike Evans had a terrible drop against uh, James Bradbury down the right sideline in the first half. That, that might have been a touchdown. Uh, that, that was right there. Not, not sideline. It was actually inside the numbers, but on the right side. Uh, the, the, the embarrassing attempt to tackle on Trey Palmer's touchdown catch run should have been a 10-yard catch. He tries to tackle a shoulder pad. What, what, you, like, what is that, Mike? That's what you were talking about, the effort. That is coaching. That, that, that is absolutely coaching. And you, the other thing is, whoever's coaching them next year, they have to make a decision on how much they're going to coach and how, how much they practice and how they practice. Because you, you, can't, you can't do this, Mike. You can't tackle like this and be coached right. There's something going on here. The, 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 the lack of execution and the effort and the technique – I mean, the missed tackle, I can't even count that high, the missed tackle right last night. So bad. Yeah, it was real bad. In fact, Clay Harbor uh, had the tweet of the night last night (laughs) when showing their effort of tackling. He said, this is like the movie that you watch where the tackling looks so unrealistic that you can't buy into the movie because the guys are just (laughs) literally throwing themselves. You know, this is a missed tackle you see in a movie and the call is so, and it's so unrealistic. That was them trying to tackle last night. What um, was that? What? what? I, I just can't believe. Yeah, see, the, see, the, the people hate Sirianni. You know, like the, the, their case has been made here. I mean, people throw stuff against the board and they really don't know sometimes. But if you if you feel like they've been poorly coached, hey, you you have the thumbs up. You've got it. This and I don't go after coaches much. I'll criticize when I think it's necessary and true. Only when it's true. This has been bad, Mike. Yes. This has been epically bad and. Well, um, let's Jeffrey let's. Lurie can't be happy. Go ahead. No, let's take a look at some of the things that could be next year for Adam Kaplan. Uh, Jason Kelsey. Let's start there. It, 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 you know, a lot of reporting that he has retired. Um, he was obviously emotional. He did not talk. And then Schefter this morning said he told the team. And, and you know, Kelsey, I don't know that he officially wants to say it yet, but he, he's he's yeah. finished, right? Yes. So he's probably going to do media. I know he'd been working with a media coach. Um. You know, the last four years, uh, every year, uh, I remember people close to him two years ago said he absolutely is going to retire. Pretty certain of it. Didn't retire. Kept getting paid. Became the highest paid center. Eagles took care of him. Rightfully so. I don't vote for the Hall of Fame. I vote in two polls. One of them's due tomorrow, but it's not the Hall of Fame. If there's ever a center that goes in as a first ballot guy, he's got to be, obviously. Boy, Mike, that's going to be interesting to see what happens because, obviously, Jurgens is – is replacement. That means right guard might going forward is open. And remember, Kelsey gets him out of a lot of bad plays. A player told us that. So that's that's more communication is going to have to be really good with Cam Jurgens and Hurts. That's going to Mike. That's a drop off. But that's that's a problem for me. And by the way, Jurgens had a rough night at the office last I night know. in the last couple of weeks. So yes. Um, so Kelsey, he's retiring, and what that means for their offensive line moving forward. You, you drafted Tyler Steen, so now yep. maybe he's your right guard. We'll see. They like to draft linemen, so maybe they target that. Um, you mentioned Sirianni. Uh, let's is is in your mind. I, I talked to McMullen earlier. He said he flew to Tampa with no thought that Sirianni could be in trouble. He's flying home thinking differently. Where are you? Yeah, I, I think it's one of these situations, Mike, where, and it's always to, up to the owner. He makes the call. Uh, cut, knowing Jeffrey a little bit, talking to him over the years, and knowing how things are done there, when you don't meet expectations, okay, I don't know that Jeffrey 
thought that they were a Super Bowl team, but he expected them to be pretty good. This kind of collapse cannot be good for Sirianni's job status, just, just knowing the way things go. Because when they meet, whether it's tonight or tomorrow morning, the first question he's got to ask is, and I, we know that they, they've been talking. It's not like they don't talk. We know they've had meetings, multiple meetings, we're, we're told. But now that the season's over and you get a clear mind, why couldn't you stop this, 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 this runaway train of, of going downhill? And he's got to have an answer for that. And see, this is the thing. What Jeffrey has not done anything like this before, potentially fire a head coach who's only made the playoffs and not made the, you know, he made the playoffs first three years. Mm-hmm. This is almost historic considering firing them here. If he does, he understands, you know, what, what, the way this is going to look for, for anyone potentially looking into uh, taking this job. Now, one uh, personal source said to me, this is a good point, and I, I, this made me think a little bit. If you bring him back, you know he's on the super hot seat, like super hot seat. Like he could be fired in season. Jeffrey's only done that once. We know that was with um, Chip Kelly prior to Week 17 in 2015. We just know that's not the way Jeffrey does things. So if you're an assistant on, on a new staff, on, uh, or it, let's say for, if Sirianni's still the head coach, you know there are going to be changes. We all know that. So if, if Nick wants to hire a bunch of new coaches – whether he's forced to or not, they're going to be changes. There has to be when you have a meltdown like this. What coach would want to come in here knowing they very well could be one and done? That that's job security is really important to coaches. And I had thought of that. Someone uh, I really respect told me that that it'll be hard for them. Um, yeah, this is this is really something I have not seen here. And like I actually worked for the Eagles from eleven to thirteen before I went to ESPN. And I you know got to know the Eagles coaches how miserable it was, and they kind of knew they were out. A lot of the people that I knew there then. You kind of knew that was bad because the roster is terrible. This is not a bad roster. No, again, it's not nearly as good as last year. We all knew that. But to to embarrass yourselves against the Giants twice, the Cardinals, you have to be kidding me, in, in the link and get smoked by the Niners, Mike, you're on your way down uh, to end the season and the, the, the embarrassing loss, the choke against Seattle – get blown out at Dallas. I forgot about to talk about that. And this is one after another, and they barely beat the Chiefs and Bills. They're, they had to come from behind. And the Cowboys choked that first game. They should have won it. Dak, Dak, you know, Dak runs out of bounds for no reason. They barely beat Washington. Like, this is really a half a, a half a season of football that's not acceptable, and Jeffrey's very demanding. That's what makes him a great owner. This is not good for, again, for Sirianni's job security, but I wish him well. I don't want anyone to get fired, but I just... I just know the way it is in yeah. that building, Mike. I know the way it is. Well, I I, I said uh, this week or last week, Adam, that the only way I could see Sirianni being in, in trouble is if the team is non-competitive. Well, I don't think I could come up with a script that could be more non-competitive than that team was last night. And for the last six weeks of this season, totally non-competitive for six weeks. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't want to say, hey, I, I want to see a guy fired, but I, I think – what you saw last night, you certainly have to make the decision. Let's look at some of the key decisions they're going to have to make. Um, DeAndre Swift is an unrestricted free agent. I don't know. Do you value? They didn't even really use him. I mean, do you value that position to bring him back again, or is that a, a spot where you just draft and pay the guy nothing? 
It's funny. I had a, a joke on our uh, our post game show last night. I'm like, is, is there an NFL rule? And please correct me if I'm wrong. That you're not allowed to throw the running back on first or second down, <laughs> and on third down you can't have Swift in. You can only have Gainwell because he's a better pass protector. See, this is this is the. I mean, if if you and I sat down, give me your top twenty issues with the offense. That's in my top five. The lack of Swift in the pass game, embarrassing. Motion and I were at training. I don't know if you were at training camp, Mike, but we were there every day. It was insane how much he was getting the ball when they. He didn't practice a lot. They kind of put him in bubble wrap, but when he practiced, it seemed like he caught the ball every other play. I don't get it. That's bad. Uh, that can't happen. Look, they, I, they're, they're gonna, if, if he comes back, it'll be in a low-end deal. They're not going to pay him very much. Uh, they, they talked low money, I'm told, with Sanders, and they never – I don't even think they officially made him an offer. They, they had some interest in bringing him back on, on a low-end. They knew he was going to get paid, so it never went anywhere. I, I can't imagine anything different than Swift. G- did a good job, by the way, over 1,000 yards. Made a pro bowler. We could debate what, what pro bowl really means anything in yep. terms of how good a player is. But he had a good season. That, was a, that trade worked out in terms of running the football. But he didn't do what they brought him here to do is catch it and run it. Yeah. Uh, on defense, you've got let, – let's go with the two guys, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. Graham has said he would like to come back if they want to have him, and, and Fletcher's an unrestricted free agent. Are either one of those guys back? Yeah, I think Brandon is actually signed for low money this coming season. Uh, it, it, for cap purposes, I know he had a two-year deal. It, that to me is like a down the road decision. It, it, it's not going to make or break them. He's just you know for a leadership guy because this boy this locker room also it's another thing we've been able to talk more about it on Friday. Uh, the leadership of that locker room uh, needs to be better. Uh, and Fletcher, look, Fletcher had a good year, and Fletch, Fletch, some told has been a pretty good leader for them uh, in recent years. So I know the staff really thinks he's a leader, it's very more vocal than he has been in recent years, Mike. So I'm sure they'd take him back, but the money is you know they have a lot of decisions to make. They could extend Landon Dickerson, Devontae Smith's contracts. You know, being the way that they do things here, probably will be they'll look to do that. They've got some cap challenges. They, there's a lot, Mike, to unpack with these contracts. Yeah, well, James Bradbury would be one of the cap problems. you got two years left yep. on the deal. Avante Maddox has time left on the deal. I know Slay's got time left on the deal. Bayard has time left on the deal. So you're basically your secondary. you got to... Either bring them back or figure out how to wiggle your way out of those deals. Well, Bradbury's due just under $11 million, fully guaranteed. So, obviously, he can't come back as a starter. There's just no way that could happen. You know, could they – I mean, they own the money. So, I mean, they they could always say, listen, you know, we'll bring you back, but you're not going to have the same role. And I don't know if, how, he'd happy, how happy he would be, but – you know, the problem is, Mike, they don't have a starter to replace them. The, the, the quality of depth on this, this team is its way worse than I expected. It's something that kind of floored me. This is what they've learned about this team. Their depth is not as good as they probably thought it was, where it was awesome last year for the most part, Mike. Not as good, and that's part of why they're in this this, this way. All right, uh, Zach Cunningham and the linebacking crew there. Uh, are we going to look at two new guys again, or I guess Dean they're hoping is back. I don't know if you can count on him, but Zach well, Cunningham. He'll be back. He's on a contract. Right, yeah, right. I I'm saying, I mean, like, do they yeah, just hand him that job again, or do they have to bring in some sort of competition for him, even if they like him? Obviously not durable enough. Yeah, Morrow's a free agent. They'll see on Dean. He'll come He'll come to OTA. Or when he gets cleared, come back from the bad foot injury. Zach Cunningham, to me, you could bring him back. I mean, I, I would. Mike, I must run. i got to take this call, but I'll see you Friday. All right, there's Adam Kaplan, football at four. Here on the Sports Bass Live 97.3 ESPN, uh, as we were going through some of the contracts there, uh, Fletcher Cox, unrestricted free agent, Brandon Graham, 
according to Adam Schefter, is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, he tweeted out the list of guys last night. We'll go through that coming up here on the Sports Bash. I got a lot of text messages I still want to get through. 609-403-0973. You know, it's one of those days. Clay Harbor, by the way, former Eagles tight end who joined us on Friday, he had a lot of just, you know, scathing things to say about the state of this team. You're going to hear what he has to say tonight at 5 o'clock, so I hope you'll stick around for that. Don't forget, Sixers and Nuggets tonight, and uh, Joel Embiid was not on the injury list today. So it does appear that Embiid is going to play unless something has changed. I know that initial injury report that came out at 1.30 this afternoon, he was not on it. Uh, So that means it's the first time Embiid will face Jokic. Since January 28th of 2023, so we're going back uh, about a year to the day, about a week and a year to the day, and the last time Embiid faced Jokic, okay? The last time those two guys faced off in an actual game, Joel Embiid scored 47 points, had 18 rebounds, 5 assists, Three steals and two blocks in 38 minutes. So I have no idea where the narrative has come that Embiid doesn't want to face Jokic. With those numbers, I'd want to face him every night of the week. 47 points, 18 rebounds, five assists, three steals, and two blocks in 38 minutes. They'll face off tonight, and you can hear the game right here on 97.3 ESPN. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Mike Gill, the Sports Bash. We've got uh, Clay Harbor coming up at 5 o'clock. Grayson's grades at 5.30. So stick around for the final hour of the show. But right now it's time for today's Sound of the Day. It's brought to you by Boardwalk Honda. Well, football season's over for the Eagles. You got the chance to score big. Shop online at BoardWalkHonda.com. Remember, from me to Miami, nobody beats a BoardWalk deal. It was a uh, just an awful effort last night from all, uh, almost every, the only guy I can really say I can't question is Smith. He was the only guy that I thought, Maybe Goddard. I mean, Goddard, I mean. I would put Swift in that conversation. Just because I felt like he didn't get a lot of touches, but every time he touched the ball, he he ran hard. Sure. <laughs> that was such a non-committal response from you. <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah, he, he he had 10 carries for 34 yards. One of his carries was for 17 yards. Yeah. So the other nine carries, I mean, he didn't do anything last night. But if you want to say he gave an effort. I'm not going to question. I'm not questioning effort. I'm just saying. I think the only guy that gave a crap that they, you know, 
that was notable was Smith. I mean, right. he looked like Smith had a great game. Give me the ball. I will do everything I can to try to help us win this game. He was the only guy. He listen. He was almost equivalent to what you saw from Terrell Owens in the Super Bowl all those years ago. Remember when T.O. was in the Super Bowl? He was like, "I'm carrying this team. Let's go." Yeah, you know? Smith came to play. He had 12 targets, eight catches, 148 yards. I mean, he did everything he could to try to help this lifeless, gutless team last night try to win that game. Well, speaking of lifeless and gutless, obviously part of the conversation is who's at fault for that lifeless and gutless effort. Like well, I go to Nick Sirianni. Well, Chris Carlin said earlier today on 97.3 ESPN, he's not sure if the Eagles should fire Nick Sirianni. I can't possibly try to sell anybody on the idea that a head coach that still took the team to the playoffs, even though they fell apart like they did, and went to the Super Bowl a year ago should be out this quickly. That, to me, is unless there has been something dramatically gone wrong behind the scenes and off the field, that, to me, is is pushing the envelope if you don't have the definitive answer. I can't make a decision based on I don't know who I want to hire. I have to make the decision based on my guy might not be good enough. Because... I, I always hear, like, the, the whole thing, if you fire someone, then who are you going to hire? That's somebody's job to figure it out. And guess what? I know I have options. I've got Vrabel. I've got Belichick. I've got Pete Carroll. And there's a ton of other minds around the league that will take the job. I love this thing, like, well, who's going to take that job? Like, this, this, someone's going to coach the Carolina Panthers. Someone is. You're the Philadelphia Eagles, for God's sakes. <laughs> right. This is one of the top five franchises in all of football. Six postseason appearances in seven years with two different head coaches. Yeah, you make an offer to any one of those guys, and I guarantee you their answer isn't like, eh, you know what? Atlanta looks better. You're the Eagles. You're the Eagles. So you can fire your guy if you want. Even if you didn't plan on it and have no idea who you want to hire, you fired Doug Peterson way late in the game and then got a guy who took you to the Super Bowl. Your track record says you are capable of finding the guy. You do have that track record. If you want to say the Eagles have done one thing really well in their Roseman Laurie existence is they have found the unknown coach. They have uncovered that guy. Do I want to keep going down this road every three to five years? No. Mike Tomlin, by the way, has announced that he wants to remain in Pittsburgh and he's working on a long-term deal. That's correct. So he's off the market. But he's never had a losing season ever. Ever. And Pittsburgh understands you're not going to win the Super Bowl every year. I think Eagles fans have to come to terms with you're not going to win the Super Bowl every year. And this year was an unacceptable way to end. But, man, if you are in play for being one of those teams that is always involved, it makes your sports fandom that much better. You know, I know we all want to win the Super Bowl, myself included. And when you don't, it's disappointing. But you do not want to become one of those teams like Detroit. And I know they don't sound like a great example now. Their playoff win the other day was their first playoff win (laughs) since... 1993. The first home playoff game and home playoff win since 1993. 30 years. Think about that. And Cleveland, 
When was the last time they won a playoff game? They barely ever make the playoffs, let alone win one. Cleveland's got one in the last 15 years. The Dolphins haven't won a playoff game since the year 2000. Yep. So, yeah, it's so frustrating. But I do think if the Eagles feel, they can't say, well, this guy's done X, Y, and Z, so we should keep him. No. Because X, Y, and Z led you, led you to what happened last night. And I don't care that X, Y, and Z happened because it didn't help prevent what happened last night, right. the week before, the week before that, and the week before that. If a player can deteriorate, James Bradbury was part of your success last year. Well, this year he was part of why your defense stunk. So, too, can the coach. The coach can deteriorate as well, or he cannot have answers to the quiz as the league evolves. He might have had the answers until the questions got changed a little bit. And right now, unfortunately, I don't trust that he has the answers to the test. And if you ask me, I think you got to move on based on what I saw, not just last night. You know, I'm not the guy that says, well, Dan Quinn gave up for although I'm not hiring Dan Quinn anyway. I'm just <laughs> saying, you don't say, hey, I was thinking about hiring Dan Quinn, but his defense gave up 48 points in one game in the playoffs, so therefore I've changed my mind. It's the body of work. This isn't you lost a playoff game against Tampa. No, this is two months worth of bad football. Right. And it's deteriorating each week. It's not like it, it's not like it was good, bad, good, yeah, bad. Yeah, you're not Every figuring you're out how to worse. fix it at all. You're getting worse. Right. And that's the that's the part that is incredibly puzzling of how it gets that bad, how you go from beating the Bills in overtime to then getting beat up by the 49ers. You've made no improvements. You have not nothing. I, you have not identified an issue and fixed it. You've got progressively worse. Worse. With that being said, I wanted to play for you in the audience by Lou Riddick, who was in the Eagles front office for a time. Well, he had to say this morning on Get Up because th- there were two different parts of what he brought up this morning. And the first part was Riddick looked back on when the Eagles got rid of Andy Reid. And he talked about how, you know, the uniqueness of that situation and how it, it's hard to compare that to other Eagles head coaches being fired. Take a listen. What did Andy Reid do since he left Philadelphia? Then all of a sudden, like, did, did Andy really need to be fired? Like, why do coaches change places? Right. Okay, what what happens? Yeah. It's usually not because, well, X and O's, he became dumb. Yeah. Or he's not a good leader anymore. I mean, or Andy's competency was never in question. His credibility was never in question. His ability to impact others. The three things we talk about with leadership was never in question. But he was sent down the road. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think Andy himself would would admit that it was time. The team had been going out of control. He what he doesn't mention there, you know, Andy's son died, right? And there was a lot more going on, right? I don't know what he's trying to prove there. Well, he's he's asking the question. You know, the Eagles when they got rid of Andy Reid, he was saying, you know, it it wasn't because Andy Reid was a bad coach. Oh, okay. So he was advocating that Nick might not be a bad coach, but it's still okay to, to move on from him. Right. Okay, I thought he was saying like, "Hey, you know, maybe 
you shouldn't have got rid of Andy Reid. No, no. What he's saying is it's not that Andy Reid's a bad coach or Nick Sirianni's a bad coach. You know, he was trying to – because he was interjecting in the conversation. He was saying about, you know, it, it's that sometimes you have to get rid of a coach for other reasons that have nothing to do with their competency or their capability to coach. Andy's a completely different situation, though. You know, he had been here for 14 years. They had been to, you know, the NFC Championship game multiple times. He had a lot of stuff off the court, uh, off the field that kind of interjected. And then that season just kind of fell apart, coinciding when his son passed away. So right. I definitely think it's a different situation than what's going on here with Sirianni. Sirianni is, you know, on the field, the team just completely was unrecognizable. Yeah. Unrecognizable. A non-competitive outfit on both sides of the ball where it was incremental. It wasn't even incremental. It was a definitive drop off the cliff, and it never got fixed. It never got better. It never got tweaked. It never – nothing. It didn't go from you're, you were a good team – to an average team, to a bad team. You went from a good team to a bad team, and you kept getting worse. Every week, you kept getting worse. It just has to make you wonder, what is the reason why they would keep him then? Like, we we have spent the last two and a half hours asking the question about, can this guy keep this job? So it's like, I feel like we found more evidence for him not to keep the job, but keep the job. I, you know... We talked to John earlier. I thought he brought up the biggest point. He flew to Tampa yesterday not thinking that Sirianni was in trouble. He's leaving Tampa today. His mind has changed. If I can reappropriate a question you asked yesterday, Mike, and bring it back to the conversation today. You asked the question yesterday, did Shane Steichen, did he cover up Nick Sirianni's flaws? And without Steichen, Nick Sirianni just is not the same. Is Nick Sirianni just the kind of person where he's only as good as the coaches around him? I think this is a classic case. I mean, I I don't know this. This is my opinion. This is a classic case. Nick Sirianni didn't think he was ready for this job. Didn't Never thought I was going to get the opportunity to be a head coach when I got this job. He got it. And when he got the job, it was like the guy who is from the the neighborhood and brings his friends along with him. You know, it's like uh what was entourage. Yeah. I made it big. You guys are coming with me and you're going to be my manager and you're going to be, you know, my errand boy. Except in this situation, he's the one who made it big and the other ones were more qualified. He brought them with him. And it was like we're hanging out. We're doing this. We're running an NFL organization. We never thought this was going to happen. And then those guys got more notice than he did, and they both left him. And now he's left there without his guys. And it's like, hey, this was only fun because you guys were doing this with me. I didn't really know what I'm doing, right? I'm not really equipped to do this. And I think there's a lot of guys at any level who coach. You coach and you do it because you have camaraderie with the guys and your friends at first. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have a camaraderie maybe, but – it's just not the same, not maybe. The same, right. Like, where's Shane? Where's John? Those are my guys. These were the other guys. 
I don't have the same connection with these other guys, and it's not meshing. It's not working. We're not having the same conversations. You know, it's like the guys who are all buddies, and then one guy goes off and gets married, and then he's not around as much anymore. And you're like, "Eh, you know, you guys were kind of cool, but what kept this group together was that guy, and now he's not here anymore. I think that's what's happening here is that Sirianni had a group of guys and then the group got ripped apart, not just slowly, quickly taken from him. And now he's looking around and I think it's like, hey, I I didn't really want to manage all these guys. I had these other guys that I trusted and now they're not here. And And that's what concerns me moving forward is – is he a great leader of men, or did he have a great comfort zone? Did he have a great network? With the guys, right. And his, was he lost that network? And I said this before. I don't know how big a deep his Rolodex is. Like, hey, I lost John Gannon, and I lost Shane Steichen. I know the exact guys. When Gannon left, they didn't know what they wanted to do. Because right. I don't think Sirianni really had a guy or an option. Well, don't forget also, remember the story was that they you know, they could go to Denard Wilson because he was already in the organization. And they decided not to bring him in. He leaves and goes to the Ravens. Well, the Ravens had a great defense this year. And, well, we know what happened to the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I go back to I, I feel like Sirianni got this job. He may have been in over his head, but it was masked by the fact that he had a comfort zone of these other guys that were with him. And now that they're not here, when times were tough, he doesn't have his comfort zone of the guys that he got this job with. And can he grow past that? The hard part is he's already hit adversity that he needs to hire more coaches, and I don't know that he has the the network to do that. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app. Coming up at 5 o'clock, former Eagles tight end, Clay Harbor. It's this. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill. Do I have everybody's attention now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. As we roll into the 5 o'clock hour, Clay Harbor will join us in 7 minutes. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. It's the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 609-403-0973. Mike, how was Sirianni 10-1 then beating good teams? He should have struggled at first because his coordinators were gone, then get better, but it was the opposite. Something happened that derailed the train that was cruising at 10-1. and Yeah, but if you watch the Eagles all season long, you would have seen that even when they were winning those games, they just didn't look right. You know, I think Sean Desai, we, and I said this earlier in the season, I tweeted out Sean Desai is going to get a head coaching opportunity because I thought he did such a good job with such a bad defense 
that it was almost admirable that they he had them competitive. Um, but I think you see when things were good, Sirianni's all right being the front runner guy. But when things kind of fell apart, um, that kind of text message kind of seems like someone who maybe didn't watch them a whole heck of a lot this year. Sorry to say, but that's just my opinion there. Six zero nine four zero three zero nine seven three. Dan and EHT says Sirianni wants to be fi- fired. I wonder if you notice that the Eagles organization is known for dead man walking head coaches. Eh, I mean. They've made some interesting decisions. The Peterson one, I think, definitely kind of stands out as they said, this is what we need you to do. Peterson said no, and then he was gone. Uh, Jim at Ocean City says they should have gone from the bro shove to the bootleg or short pass that would have changed the feel of the game. What are you talking about? Like, at what point? Like, the whole game? I mean, um, definitely when they went for two, I was scratching my head. Uh, they took the points off the board. It would have made it a six-point game. Instead, they tried to make it a five-point game. Too much. A Shaner in EHC says, Howie spent on the wrong three. Slay, Bradbury, and Fletcher were bad money. Look at what C.J. Gardner-Johnson did the other day. Edwards had a season. Hargrave had three, four seasons left. Also, run the ball, Andy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think T.J. Edwards. We talked to Clay Harbor about T.J. Edwards when he was on Friday show. And what he did in, in Chicago and what the Eagles were lacking. A guy to kind of set the defense. Kind of tell everybody what to do. Be the leader on that side of the ball. The Eagles had no voice on that defensive side of the ball. We got more coming up. Former Eagles tight end Clay Harbor joins me next. Jersey. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. When he's sitting there talking about he's not worried about what's going to happen to him, you know why he's probably not worried? Because he knows what's going to happen to him. He's going to get fired. There has to be accountability when you have this kind of late season collapse. There has to be accountability when a team that is largely the same from a squad a year ago that got to the Super Bowl gets bounced in the first round of the playoffs so you absolutely deserve to get fired today that was chris candy this morning he thinks nick sirianni's not going to make it clay harbor former eagles tight end nfl for nine seasons he joins me now and on friday you were perplexed at what you've seen from this team on film clay i can't imagine that anything you saw in that wild card matchup, made you feel that they corrected any of the issues and just got outplayed? Mike, that's the worst part of it is because we saw the same exact blitzes. I sat there with Greg Cassell. We watched the tape. We looked at the blitzes. We said, okay, this is a problem. They got to fix this. And as a player, the first thing you do after a game like that against the Giants, you're getting blitzed all over the field by Wink Martindale. You go into the meeting room and you fix the blitz package, right? Say, okay, guys, here's what happened. Here's what we should have did. It's not that hard. You put it on film. You put it in slow motion. So now you're more comfortable and you're going in. And you know who you're playing against. You know that Todd Bowles is going to come out and blitz you like crazy. The most blitzes in an NFL playoff game since the last time you played them at 40, 54% of the time on third down, you got blitzed. you got to know that's coming. And the fact that with the game before what the Giants did and knowing what Todd Bowles is going to do, you didn't have an answer for set blitz is unfathomable. 
The route concepts were terrible. The hot routes weren't there. They're running too much scat protection, which is five guys in the route, instead of maybe keeping a couple extra guys in. Just a terrible blitz package once again. And to me, that's the reason they lost. Look at the third and fourth down together. They're 0 for 11. The first time you started tracking for the first time since you started tracking the sack, they didn't get one third or fourth down in the game. You are not going to win a football game if you can't pick up a third down. I, I, I almost would ask you, you played offense, but when you watch them, what is more perplexing, watching them play offense or watching them attempt to play defense? Yeah, I, I'm obviously more astute when it comes to offense, and the fact the Bucks per ESPN next-gen stats generated 10 unblocked pressure, tied as the most in a game this year, 10 unblocked pressures. And the quick pressure, 2.5 seconds, 13 times, tying Jalen Hurts' career high. So he's just getting teed off on. They're, they're, they're unblocked guys coming at him. And the fact that you don't have quick game, you don't have anything to threaten him with downfield, any plays, is, is crazy to me. Offensively, I'm looking at this and I go, what are they doing? I played on some bad offenses, but I know how to pick up a blitz like this. This is something you prepare for day one. Every offensive coordinator brings you in, you run the base package. Okay, we got to get to blitz. We got to get to third down because it's such a crucial part of the game. And for you not to have that, not to have that, your, your T's crossed and your I's dotted, to me is crazy. But like, this defense was just bad. And I go all the way back to that. I went to Eagles training camp for, for three practices. And it looked, it looked like a nice summer retreat. It was like they're at a, a nice camp out there like not not a football camp a, a retreat man they're just having fun you know hanging out i mean they, they practice hard this team practice hard but there was no tackling there was no physical periods and you have to set that base how do you expect the team to know how to tackle when you don't tackle right you've got to practice tackling they never did that now when you go to other camps do they tackle there because some people would say well the the cba the rules don't let you become physical and tackle in practice so even if they're not tackling to the ground you are doing hitting and tackling drills i just went to bears camp i went to jags camp the Eagles were the worst out of the three as far as a physicality point when it came to tackling. Obviously, you had more of a veteran team there. You had veteran players. But then the, the group tackling, there was no group tackling drills. And what you see, in my opinion, these guys were playing as single players out there. Tackling isn't just sometimes a one-on-one thing, but it's usually you utilize the leverage of your teammate you got to see where he's at. And I was an offensive player, but I played special teams. Played special teams my whole career. I know how to use the leverage of the guy next to me. Keep it on my inside shoulder. Hit it physically. You know what these guys look like to me, Mike? And I'm kind of ashamed to, to admit this, but, you know, I played with the Jaguars for a number of years. Played some bad Eagles teams, some, a couple good Eagles teams. There were times in the season you go into a game and you're saying, don't get hurt. The season's over. There, there's nothing to play for here.
I think we got uh, a bad connection with Clay. We'll uh, see if we can get. Oh, we lost you. There you go. We got you back Sorry. there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I do want to ask. You know, you, you're talking about the offense and and really the ineptitude of what we're watching, the blitz pickups and the inability to do so. When you're watching Hertz, are you saying that? Do you think it's more him or that the offense is just so inadequate that he is not put in position to succeed? Because there's a lot of people that are starting to ask about him. His salary would come into play, obviously. But when you watch him, you saying, "Man, Hertz has really regressed." Or are you saying this offense is so bad that he can't succeed? It's both, Mike, and I. You know, I hate to just say. You know, not be able to pick a side here, but it's both. Hertz doesn't look like the same guy to me. I mean, there's situationally, I, I think the guys just sometimes I'm wondering what you're doing. If it's fourth down or third down, don't take the shot. Take the high percentage throw. Keep the drive going. You're going for the shot in the end zone or the deep pass on fourth and five. I'm all for being aggressive, but take the high percentage throw. That's what Dallas Goddard was chirping him about. You watch the tape on that play. Dallas Goddard is coming in the middle of the field. He throws it to Devontae in the end zone, batted ball. Okay, one-on-one Devontae. I don't mind you taking the shot. Dallas Goddard is coming open in the middle of the field, five yard, first down, keep the drive going, throw it to him. The situational awareness, you're, you're running around the end zone. You, you see you're in the end zone. You're about to get sacked. Throw the ball away. What do you do? You see these blitzers coming. You're holding on to your whole little bar. You get sacked. The situational awareness isn't there. His speed, okay, there's been a lot of people saying maybe something's wrong with his knee. Maybe something's wrong. Okay, well, if that's the case, then you got to figure something else out because he didn't look explosive. No. He's slower. He wasn't making the right decisions. He wasn't as accurate. And in my opinion, he just wasn't as good as he was before. But losing your offensive coordinator did hurt. You still had the same offensive line. And then obviously yesterday you didn't have A.J. Brown. Julio Jones went out there with his walker for a couple plays before he got hurt, and he had one weapon. And I think that allowed Bowles to blitz even more because he wasn't worried about getting beat from Britton Covey or Quez Watkins or Zacchaeus, Mm -hmm. any of these guys, so he could send the house every play. Uh, Clay Harbor, former Eagles tight end. Um, What is their run game? 41 yards. 41 yards in an NFL playoff game. Well, I mean, they played Tampa, the same team. They ran 40 times for 200 yards. The week before, they ran 38 times and had a monster day on the ground. But what – I don't even know what they're trying to accomplish on the ground sometimes. Like, it seems that their running game is this RPO, and that's it. They don't have, like, a legitimate running attack. Well, Jalen, last year they had Jalen Hurts who could run the zone read. I think we spoke on this better than any quarterback I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The guy could run the zone read. Now, I'm telling you, I, I did it. I ran a zone read scheme in college. I ran some zone read in the NFL, and this guy was good. Okay? But you take that away, and they did, for whatever reason. You're not seeing that zone read or Jalen keep much anymore. I don't know if it was because of his knee or injuries or the longevity. He didn't want to do it, maybe. I don't know. This is all speculation. But to me, you took a huge piece away. Yeah. Okay. You took a huge piece away that run game. 
and that was that was tough. Yep. Oh, and it, it appeared that the, when you took him out of the run game, nobody was concerned about the run game, and that was an element that the coaching staff apparently didn't trust either. They just completely got away from the run. And still got away from it too early. You look at it early, they had some space there. You should have kept pounding it early as the game went on. They, they got more comfortable. Okay, Julio's out. We can really guard these receivers. Hurts isn't meeting us downfield. Now they start crowding the line, and they're blitzing more, and, the, and it's not there. If you pound it early to open up the pass, I think you have a different game. Yeah. It's all about situations here, man. And I think they were wrong to not pound it early. What do you make of what they were attempting to do on defense? Is this just a complete lack of talent? <laughs> or I, I, I can't even explain what I was watching last. I mean, I don't I, I don't know. You, you probably understand what you were seeing from their defense more as an offensive player. I mean, Kate Ottman, I mean, if you're the other team and you're featuring him, you're that saying... That wasn't Gronk. <laughs> you're featuring Kate Ottman. You're saying, we know they can't defend the middle of the field. I mean, part of me feels bad for Matt Patricia, but, I mean, he's obviously been an abject disaster of a, of a coordinator here, and I feel bad for him. So I watched the first three plays of the game. First play comes with a man-to-man blitz, gets beat. Okay, big play. Secondly, comes the zone blitz. Okay, that gets beat. Then he rushes four, and that gets back. Oh, this guy's just trying to do anything he can. But you look at the better defenses, you look at, like, the Legion of, Legion of Boom Seahawks, right? They're running cover three, some one, some two. That's it. They ain't doing nothing crazy. They, they're, they're good at what they're good at. When you switch a coordinator in the middle of the season, what are we good at? Now we're trying to learn different things. I'm not 100% confident with what I'm doing. And now you resort back to pretend like you don't know how to play football. You're running into your own guy, running across the field. You're, you're getting beat. You don't know how to tackle. So defensively, it was really hard to try to figure out what exactly they were trying to take away because typically you're trying to take away something. You know, okay, what were they trying to take away? But me personally, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't find what they were trying to take away because they're running the ball. Baker Mayfield's throwing the ball. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you, Mike. I'm, 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 I have nothing. <laughs> I, I mean, it's perplexing. They win the toss, they defer, and it's like, let me put the worst defense in the league on the field first and set the tone. Like, even to that extent, it was like Tampa Bay. Now, I went, I, Tampa Bay went right down the field. They ended up with a field goal instead of a sick, but they right off the bat showed yeah. we can get anything pretty much we want tonight in the middle of this field. And I thought just that, you know, you said, like Belichick says, this guy's not going to beat us. We're going to take him out of the game. And the Eagles had no answer to say, they're going over the middle of the field. What can we do to try to help in the middle of the field? And they had nothing. There was five drops in the first half. Mike Evans doesn't drop pass. These guys don't typically kid out and drop three passes. If these guys don't drop passes, it's even worse, Worse. right? Yeah, worse. I, I mean, you know, you take a look. So when you're watching this team now over the last couple days uh, weeks six weeks this has been about a two-month drop off did they just have a complete drop in talent or have they just lost total confidence in their schemes i mean i once again i think it's 
I think it's a combination. The, the talent's not there. Linebacker-wise, you try to do your best to, to bring in a patchwork, some Band-Aids. Obviously, Nick, Nicholas Morrow, I mean, I, I feel for a veteran guy like that. I've been a dude that's come into situations. Zach Cunningham, Shaq Lawrence. I mean, these guys just – I like Cunningham. Lawrence obviously wasn't the, wasn't the answer. I was disappointed in Bayard. I think my biggest disappointment, and I talked to you about this, was James Bradbury, and he just continues to disappoint. He was a guy I had high hopes for. You bring him back, and to me, that's a Howie Roseman decision. To me, that's that's 100% on Howie. You could have brought back T.J. Edwards for what you brought back James Bradbury for, and to me, that could have been the difference of the season. You bring back a middle linebacker, give him give T.J. Edwards, who didn't want a huge deal, give him the money instead of Brad Bradbury, different, different field out there, different yeah. team. So to me, that, that was as much of a Howie thing as it was scheme. But then not sticking with Desai after he was winning games, even though they weren't pretty. He was playing against good teams. He was winning games. This is what you practice in OTAs, training camp. You're familiar with it. At least you can play fast. Hopefully you can get some interceptions. Hopefully you can get some turnovers. And with with a new off with a new coordinator coming in. It just throws a wrench in everything. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fullback, a tight end. You try to move me out to wide receiver in the middle of the season. You bring in a new, new coordinator that wants to move me around. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm not comfortable. I'm not confident. Give me the guy that we started this with. And, and then the fact that they kept the on staff, that makes it even more weird. The whole yeah. situation was weird. Yeah. And then of course, last night, Blankenship doesn't play. You had to move Maddox to safety. He hasn't played safety since really his rookie year. He missed most of the year anyway. Uh, it, it just seemed like a, a disaster. But I guess, Clay, you watched that last night. The big question now becomes, do you have to consider making a change at all three spots? I mean, the head coach and the two coordinators. Oh, absolutely. I think you do. And before I, uh, my connection got bad there, I was just telling you, I've been in teams that were bad and I know the feeling with those bad teams. You're going into the, the game, the last game of the season. You're saying, just stay healthy, bro. Just don't get hurt. It's all going to be over soon. I've been on the Jaguars. We lost games. We were four and 11 going into the game. I'm just telling myself, so let's get through the, the Eagles were in the playoffs and that's the vibe I'm getting. A team that just wanted the season to be over, were not confident they could go and win this thing, wanted to get out of the game healthy. And to me, that's an indictment of the coach. If you can't get these guys up for a playoff game, I'm seeing it, I'm feeling I'm feeling it. This is like this is like how I felt when I'm going into a season when I know when I when this game is over, I'm going home. This is a playoff game. Yeah. Everything you had was right in front of you. All these losses in a row. Just win. Indictment of the coach. I think you might need someone new in there. Your text uh, was the text tweet of the night last night. Uh, the Eagles tacklers look like a movie where the tackling looks unrealistic. <laughs> the guys are just jumping all over the place, and you're like, "What's going on here?" But you're right. I said, you know, "Like, you hate to call a guy up." I said, "With some of the tape, I don't know how James Bradbury stares at his teammates in the face and says, I gave a, I gave effort.' I mean, I know no one's going to say, but like some of the tackling, Bayard. I mean, what?" was going on there this you're right it's a playoff game and that kind of says like i got to imagine on the defensive room there had to be some sort of division with the decide patricia thing yeah there has to be some sort of a division there has to be something going on there that's weighing on some of these players and and you're right mike when i looked at these tackles i go if i see this in a movie i say this is an unrealistic missed tackle (laughs) that's not realistic 
That looks fake. He did that on purpose. That's unrealistic. That's fake missed tackle right there. Come I, I on, was, you can do better than that. I was cracking up when I saw that. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I don't know how you felt before the game, Clay, but did you feel Sirianni was in trouble before the game? Okay, us local people that follow the Eagles, local guys, we've been seeing it. For some reason, Vegas still had their the, – the, the national media thought, okay, they're going to turn this around. The people that were really in and watched this team, they knew. They knew they were in trouble, and it was all over soon. You you have the hope that you hope this team can show up. You obviously still got Jalen Hurts and Devontae and a good offensive line. But deep down, we knew it was going to happen. And I think – Nick Sirianni knew he was in trouble. He's playing it off well. You know, I'm not worried about that. I'm focused on my team. But deep down, Nick knows that it's probably a coin flip on this situation. He's going to have to go in and have some serious talks with Jeffrey Lurie. He's going to say, hey, I can still handle this team. I still got this team. Here was the problem. My offensive coordinator's left. My defensive coordinator left. I can get a better staff. Okay, I picked the wrong guys. I shouldn't have made the change, but I can still lead this team. Mm. I had some issues, but if you give me one more chance, I got this guy in mind. I got this guy in mind. If we bring them here, I think we can get back to the playoffs and have a chance to win another championship. All right, if you were a player on that team and watched that result, would you be in that locker room saying, I hope Nick doesn't get fired? Or would you say, I think we might need a change? It's tough because I, you know, I've uh, I've played with some some on some bad teams, like I said, like in Jacksonville, Gus Bradley. We had we had three really bad seasons in a row, four bad seasons, and Gus Bradley was the best. I went to bat for Gus no matter what, but deep down, I knew in in the situation was that with the team we had, and it was a young team, and in Gus, we needed a guy that was more about accountability because a lot of a lot of the younger guys in our team come into the league and they don't really know how to act right. They don't know what it takes to be an NFL player, the amount of film you got to do. And it was good if you're a veteran with Gus because he gave you so much time to yourself and good good system to play for. He gave you all these things. You, you could go and get a massage. You can get extra sleep. The young guys didn't know how to protect that culture. In my heart, I knew that Gus Bradley wasn't the right guy for that team. If you're on a specific team – you can be that guy. But right now for this Eagles team, it's a lot different than the team was last year. For this team, I think it's going to take a different guy to lead them. And I don't think Nick's the guy for you, this team. You played for Mr. Laurie, and maybe you watched him on TV last night when he was walking off the field. Some people suggested he had the look of a guy that knows he needs to make a change. Do you feel that way knowing him? You know, I think, you know, part of me goes back and forth thinking – Okay, this guy made the playoffs three years in a row. But, Mike, this wasn't just a collapse implosion for Philly. It was a big implosion for the NFL. It was a big implosion for professional sports. I mean, this is up there. <laughs> to go from 10-1 and one to, to losing six of your last seven and getting knocked out of the first round of the playoffs, this is huge. And you're not even losing closed games at this point. Yeah, You're losing to Cardinals. You're losing to Giants. And now you're losing to Baker Mayfield led. Uh, you can make an argument. You, you can make an argument that some of your Jaguar teams would have beat up on this team. Oh, they would have. Uh, the way this deep, there's no. They're not stopping anybody. To no. me, right now, the Eagles are the worst team in the league. The, 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 you look at. The, I'm watching some film. 
on the Bucks, and I'm watching the Carolina Panthers play the Bucks. And looking and putting those films side by side, the Eagles wouldn't beat the Panthers right now. I'm confident of that. And that's the NFL with one or two wins. I don't know how many got watching the Panthers play the Bucks a week ago. To me, it looked like the Panthers were more competitive than the Philadelphia Eagles, who are supposed to be one of the best teams in the league. Don't know how it got. Never seen anything like it. Uh, we'll see if change happens. Clay Harbor, uh, nine-year NFL veteran, Philadelphia Eagles, Jacksonville Jaguars, among others, and does a great job now breaking down the film. Greg Cosell, and uh, you can see him on uh, at Clay Harbs eighty-two if you want to follow all of his work. Uh, he's all over the place, and he's uh, kind enough to join us right here. On the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, Mike. Good to see you, man. Clay Harbor, everybody, former Eagle tight end, giving you some great perspective, breaking it all down, and kind of giving you the real deal, Holyfield, on what it's like right there, right? He said in his heart, he knew Gus Bradley was not the guy to lead the Jacksonville Jaguars when he played there. And, you know, you know when you're at that point where the coach probably has to move on and probably has to go. And it sounds like in his mind, he thinks that is where the Philadelphia Eagles are. When we come back, Scott Grayson has Grayson's grades. You'll hear what he gave this team for last night. I'm sure you can figure it out. It's coming up next. We have the... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done. traffic. Come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. We've watched this the last seven weeks. They played. They won one game. I don't think anyone thought they were going to go down there and win. I think they had player meetings. They had all these things going on during the season. I said, look, what's wrong with this team, it's going to take an offseason to fix. They went down there, a team with not a lot of confidence, that was Herm Edwards. He said he's not surprised the season ended. Everybody on Monday Night Countdown last night picked against the Eagles. So nobody was surprised they lost this game last night. Uh, our whole team picked against the Eagles last night. We got to that point. Scott Grayson's grades are up at 973ESPN.com. I guess I'll start with that, Scott. Were you surprised... I know as bad as they've been, were you surprised they didn't find a way to at least get this game and move on to Detroit? Or did you go into the game thinking they're not winning this game? Well, I did not expect them to come out and play a great game, but I did not think they would lose. I thought that they would win behind the the veterans that knew that this could be the end for Kelsey and that kind of thing. I just thought there'd be that kind of a spot, especially when Dallas went and lost the day before. I thought... You know, that would give a little bit to this team to find a way to – every little bit I thought they'd find a way to eke out an ugly win. Um, I didn't think it would be pretty. But, uh, no, I did not see it being quite like this. And, um, you know, it, it, it's it's quite a spot that this front office finds itself in at this point. Uh, I want to start before we get to all of the grades and the negative. Jason Kelsey, it appears, is going to retire – 
If that's the game he went out on, it's a shame that it ended like that. But it appeared that last night that we saw the end of Kelsey. You have covered his career for a good portion here. Tell us a little bit about Jason Kelsey and what he means to this team. Man, he's been one of my favorite guys to cover throughout my entire career and all the different stops I've been at. This guy would answer questions after games and he would be brutally honest with you. He wouldn't give you that kind of, we're not playing to the standard. The standard is the standard kind of stuff that, that, that Jalen Hurts kind of gives you. He gave you what he was thinking in those moments. Sometimes it was pretty, sometimes it wasn't. And that from a reporter standpoint, there's a lot of, of respect I had for him for that because there's so many times that you would get the, Athlete speak the, uh, the 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 thing to say just to kind of get us to go away and and still give a thought on something. So um, this guy was Philadelphia through and through. I'm glad he had his entire career here, uh, and, and I think that this guy will forever be immortalized in this city as one of the all time greats. I think if you're looking to uh, and you're a big enough Kelsey fan, uh, five years from now you might as well start booking your plans for Canton because he's going to be there, and and um, that'll be a speech to behold, I'm sure. Uh, but this guy's been a lot of fun to cover. I, I, I hate thinking that that's how it went out for him. Uh, he deserved better than that. And, um, you know, yeah, it's just unfortunate that that's the way it ended. Uh, over at Mike Gill Show on Twitter, poll question, do you want to fire Nick Sirianni or give him a chance to fix this? 76% say fire him, 23% stay. Scott, where were you before the game, and did that change after watching that game last night? Yeah, it's a good question. I was I was before the game thinking that that game would determine uh, what happens. Um, and I've heard the people say, well, one game shouldn't determine it. Well, it wasn't one game that, in my mind, determined it. It is the end of a run of games and a tailspin that, frankly, you could never pull your airplane out of. It crashed and burned. You You – you had a job here to fix this. You had seven weeks. You had built yourself up enough cushion that you had seven weeks to fix it. And they never did. They never fixed it in any way or resembled anything close to fixing it. And um, uh, to me, if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, it's really hard not to move on from him when you see the stable of coaches that are out there um, and, and the names that are out there. It's really hard to say we're going to stand pat with Nick Sirianni here. And I think if I'm Jeffrey Lurie and if we know enough about Jeffrey Lurie and how he operates, he either before this game had already gone through and spoken to some of the key veterans on this team or he did it on the plane last night or he's doing it today and asking them from their point of view, what happened, what went wrong, what could have gone better, what was lacking. Uh, and for Nick Sirianni, if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I'm asking him what went wrong and how do you intend to fix it between now and the beginning of next year? And if he doesn't have great answers to those two questions, I think I think you have to move on. And 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 you, you know you don't just kick him out the door. You know, thanks for what you did. You got to a Super Bowl. You made the playoffs in three straight years. But um, I don't know, Mike. It's hard to win back these players who, as we talked to them over the last few weeks, more and more were dropping breadcrumbs that there just was that disconnect and that that lack of belief that these coaches were going to put them in the right positions to win and to make plays. And frankly, they didn't. The schemes on both sides were god-awful last night. Scott Grayson, Fox 29, Grayson's grades at 97.3 ESPN.com. Let's look at the grades. Start with Sirianni, Brian Johnson, Matt Patricia, all Fs. And um, I would, I mean, I imagine if Sirianni goes, the other two go with them. But if Sirianni stays, do the other two go? 
I would still clear out the other two for sure. Uh, to me, they both have to go. Now, Brian Johnson may be gone anyway because somehow he's got several job opportunities, uh, interviews to go through for head coaching positions. Um, but even if he doesn't get those, uh, this offense was stale. This offense, and you heard Aikman even pointed out last night, they ran the ball twice, got a first down, and then they ran the ball just once in the next 13 plays. That is that is a fireable offense. You're you're you, you're missing your top receiver. Where did you think you were going to go and beat that blitz? Because you hadn't shown in the last few weeks you could beat a blitz. And if you got two first downs running the ball in back to back plays, don't you have to kind of keep with it a little bit? I mean, you were they never. To me, I, this offense just irritated the, the heck out of me to no end. And the defense. Now, you can't blame the coaches for missed tackles. Those players were James Bradbury, the first at the top of the line for me. Um, those are player mistakes. They need to be made. He was in a position to make a play. Now, it was for a first down, but it wasn't a touchdown. It was a six-yard gain, and he missed a tackle that went for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, missed tackles are, are, are on the players. But for the most part, I mean, those zones were so big. The holes in those zones were so big that Baker Mayfield had to work with um, this this scheme is just rough too. So Mike, I, I I don't keep either one. If even if Sirianni stays, I don't keep either one. You gave Jalen Hurts an F. Um, you know, uh, you look at the numbers last night, not great. Um, I mean, it's interesting to hear what you think his role was in the game last night because we're giving the coordinator and the coach an F, but you're also saying the uh, quarterback also failed. Yeah, he's he's a failure by association, more or less. Um, you know, and I've heard people in, in in the in the anger after the game. You know, we all saw it on social media. Some people were throwing Jalen Hurts right under the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got to be better. He does have to be better. The safety is on. He had a chance to throw that away, and he didn't. That can't happen. And that was a big safety. It went from being a six point game to um, or a seven point game to a nine point game. So it became a two possession game. It was a big play in that you can't afford to take that safety. But that being said, I do not believe Jalen Hurts regressed. And I'm sure in the next couple of days we're going to hear that he's got a surgery coming up on one of his knees. Um, that, that's just going to clean it out, kind of get things cleaned up a little bit. He played on it, but we didn't, you know, he didn't complain about it. We didn't hear about it, but he wasn't the same quarterback with that run. You saw it last night. He didn't have that burst. I don't believe he regressed. I believe he was never put in a position to succeed behind an offense with a scheme that could play up to his strengths, that gave him the options to be able to make some plays. I think he did have a lot of freedom, and this is maybe needs to get scaled back a little bit. He had a lot of freedom to change plays the line and go into things, and I think there were times that he changed into things that were not good choices. Um, and so maybe you scale that back a little bit, but – I just think he was in a in a tough spot. That offensive scheme and game plan was was never built to succeed for him, um, and he was never schematically put at, at an advantage uh, to try to take advantage of things. Yeah. There were hot routes that, that that didn't exist on blitzes. You're playing a team that's going to blitz you a lot, and there were no hot routes to throw to um, to give him an option in that blitz, and he had no place to go. It, it's just, uh, I, you know, I, I gave him an F by association, uh, the safety for a large part of it that he was able to control. But um, I just think he was never put in a position, frankly, Mike, last night to to succeed. He had no run game to aid him and help him with any kind of play action. That's all on Brian Johnson. But 
he's the guy with the ball. He's the quarterback, and and he's the guy who, who who's going to get the grade as well. Grayson's grades, uh, a couple more Fs. James Bradbury and Kevin Byard. And I'll ask the question then that it was evident that they failed, but they're both signed for next season. Can you have a defense with those two guys back here? I don't think you can because you know what the egregious thing to me was, and in, I believe it's Bradbury's age looked like it caught up to him in the second half of the season. So for that reason alone, I don't think you can keep him. Um, I also saw he's going to be a tough. He's going to be a tough one to get rid of. I understand, and, yeah. and that, the lack of desire and effort to make a play on that tackle that he made—that to me, right there, you, you can't have that on the field. You know, if you got ten guys playing their hearts out and he's making trying to make tackles like that. Uh, that's a problem, and these guys aren't going to play. They're not going to play for him, you know. And 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 that could be a problem uh, moving forward. Bayard, um, you know, I, I like the move to get him here. They were desperate. He kind of gave him a veteran presence here. He's got a bit of a locker room uh, mentality around him. He's got that confidence that he played. But I, I saw the lack of effort in him on the same play uh, to make that tackle. And I mean, effort mistakes can break a team down, and that is what I thought happened last night. Effort mistakes can't happen. Mental mistakes, you can learn from those. Um, physical mistakes, you can you can learn from those. But, but effort mistakes and a lack of it, that is just uh, – I think that's very hard to build around. And, and, and for that reason alone, I would think very hard about not bringing either one of them back. Uh, all right, let's get into um, – you gave uh, both these guys a B, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham – uh, would you bring those guys back next year, both free agents? Yeah, that's tough because you're in the moment right now and, and you've got Brandon Graham saying he wants to have a farewell tour. I got the vibe all along talking to Brandon this season that this was it for him and that he knew it. Um, I think he's trying to beg for one more year to do that. And the question is, what kind of a limited role are you willing to take to do that? Because I would be interested in bringing those guys back. If they're willing to accept the – Less snaps, um, you know, unless because they're present and, and and at the right price. I mean, you know, you, you, there's a discount that you've got to be willing to give to to go on that final ride. And, and Fletch, I think, has always struck me as a guy who was not ready to walk away. That he still thinks he's got a lot to give, and and I see him maybe going somewhere else to find that paycheck. Brandon Graham, I once had farewell tour, and I think he'd be willing to take a little bit of a, a lower pay uh, in order to make that happen here. Um, and so for that regard, I'd be willing to bring him back at the right price with the right understanding in his mind of what his role would be. Uh, one guy you did give an A, and uh, we're on the same page. He was the only guy I thought that came to compete last night at a high level. Yeah. I'm not questioning the effort or the compete of others. I'm just saying this guy definitively wanted to compete last night. And that was Smith. And uh, I don't know what that says in terms of the future of A.J. Brown. Did you learn that, hey, Smith can be the guy? Um, but he certainly came to play last night, and, and I thought that was the only thing about the game that was somewhat comforting. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get to, to both parts of what you proposed there. Uh, first with Devontae Smith. Um, the guy's routes, you saw it, man. He runs great routes. He gives a quarterback a window to throw in. Even on the sideline, he almost made another amazing catch and got both feet in. He only got the one on the one play. But, man, he, he was your only target. The other team knew it, and he still made the plays. Uh, and I think that, you know, you see a guy really starting to assert himself and come into his own uh, more and more. 
uh, and to kind of build off. So his effort, his desire, his want to, he wanted to win that game last night. You could tell. And he was willing to try to do it by himself. Yes. Uh, he said to have somebody throw the ball. But I love that about him. He's a competitor. Uh, as far as A.J. Brown goes, I think A.J. got a little bit of a bad rap this year as a prima donna receiver, uh, as a guy who was stirring up trouble behind the scenes. I don't think he was. I think he just didn't know how to handle some of those situations. I mean, what these guys went through, this was an epically bad collapse. None of them ever had experience going through something like this. And they were all trying to figure out how to handle it. Uh, and, and A.J. Brown is is, is is as much of a competitor as anybody else in that locker room. I mean, that guy hates to lose. Um, so I think there were times he kind of got labeled poorly. And, and I think he deserved it a little bit for the way he chose to handle things. But I think he just was was misinterpreted at times. So I, I think that there is a I, – I could see and would like to see the A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith relationship and uh, experiment continue. I think those three can really do some things on this offense, and they've just got to find the right player, person calling the plays that can let them all build on. And when you throw Dallas Goddard in as a fourth person, Man, how do you not how do you not succeed with those four guys in a decent offensive line? I just, I just watched it. Right I just and, watched and, and, it, but I don't know the. I, and I and I just watched it, but I don't know that I have the answer to how do you not succeed because what I watched, I can't even believe what I was watching. Scott Grayson, holy mackerel, man! Uh, all right, Grayson's grades are up. Go check them all out at ninety seven three ESPN dot com and check out Scott. Uh, of course, on Fox 29, and uh, we'll certainly have some off-season stuff, the draft and the Super Bowl to continue to look at with Scott right here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, buddy. Thanks, Dan. Right. Take care, Mike. Scott Grayson, everybody. His grades are up after every Eagles game, and that was the final Eagles game, and maybe Scott will be back to grade the season, which is very disappointing. i got to be honest. Uh, I, if I had to do the grades for this season – which maybe we could do uh, next week. I, I don't even know. Like, what kind of grade would you give Jalen Hurts for the season? What kind of grade would you give Nick Sirianni for the season? I don't know. Uh, we'll discuss that maybe coming up uh, next week with Scott here on the Sports Bash. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, getting ready to get out of here. Uh, Grace's Grades are brought to you by South Jersey Gas. Switch now to enjoy safe, reliable, affordable natural gas. Smile big at the savings. Learn more at SouthJerseyGas.com. Who gets the credit? Brought to you by Jersey Shore Federal Credit Union. Make sure to switch and bank with your only community credit union, Jersey Shore Federal Credit Union. Offering some of the lowest loan rates around, including refinancing. Learn more at jerseyshorefcu.org. Well, you don't get the credit, you get the blame. Who gets the blame? It's Nick Sirianni. He had a miserable night last night. He had a miserable two months. Quite frankly, it was so bad. He, If you basically pinned me down, I would say I don't think he makes it. 
Uh, Phil and Brigantine, Mike, I think everything you're saying is spot on. I've been preaching, how can you fire Nick? No way. After last night, he has to go. Bradbury, fired. Cunningham, Morrow, so bad. The O-line, terrible. Hertz was terrible. And yes, I'm concerned about moving forward. Oh, my. Such an unprepared and embarrassing performance. What happened? What happened, Phil? I think they lost complete confidence in what they were being taught, told, scheme, everything. I thought they, I thought Clay Harbor hinted at it. Colin Thompson hinted at it. Two guys who played in the league, who are, uh, uh, ironically played the same position, tight end. So I think they lost faith in the coaching staff. And that is a huge sign, red flag for me. Uh, Mike, would you fire Sirianni if you owned the team? I would. I mean, without getting a chance to talk to him and hear and be there, I'm just going off of what I'm watching. But off of what I'm watching and what happened to this team, this is historically... There's no comparison historically to what we just watched. I will do my best tomorrow. To try to figure out, in my mind, how it got this bad. But I don't know that I'll be able to find and pinpoint it, Phil. I don't know. I got a lot of text messages I didn't get to today. But I vow to get to them tomorrow. Because we had probably a record number of text messages today. And I thank you for that. Everybody who took the time to text in... I will do my best to get to them tomorrow and all the rest of this week because we got a lot of pieces to put together. This has been the Sports Bash. I'm Mike Gill. Have a great night, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.